1: But tonight, uh, we definitely have a number of topics uh, for tonight's show, uh, which we are dubbing tonight not the land of the free and the home of the brave, uh, where we'll also be talking about H.R. 1850 and something that's it's science and COVID-related at the same time, which uh, we like to talk about things of science here also on Bars Logic, political talk Uh And so uh, tonight we will welcome uh, with a harrowing story uh, from one of our panelists that uh, there was a time it moved from uh, uh, New York to Hawaii and then now has moved uh, hence again, uh, I believe finally living in a a red state. But let's go ahead and uh, bring in our friend Joseph Bay to us this uh, harrowing story that you're you're just not going to believe can actually happen here Uh, in America, but it has. And so let's say, uh, welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh,
2: Thank you, Robert. Uh, I've seen better days, but um, much better ever since I made the move uh, to Alaska. But thank you for asking and yourself.
1: Oh, yep, hanging in there, hanging in there. Uh, You know, hopefully seeing some light at the end of some tunnels, but... We do have our politics to pay attention to, right? (laughs) Because we got a lot of important things uh, happening, and especially something that's happening in almost just two months. I mean, tomorrow, uh, date wise, uh, will only be two months before what I consider the most important election of my lifetime so far. Uh, And, you know, I know we hear a lot of people, you know, saying that almost every election cycle. Uh, but I really think uh, th- this is it. I think it may even be more important to uh, than when Hillary Clinton uh, was running. I mean, I knew she was really corrupt and been terrible for her to be president. Uh, but just it's amazing how quickly uh, America really, and, and even the, the 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 politicians, the Democrat Party, and even the Republican Party. I mean, they actually have they actually have a spine now. I think uh, the old Republican Party would never have stood up to the Democrats uh, the way that the Republicans are standing up now if it wasn't for the election of Donald Trump. So both parties have have done a lot of – I don't know – well, in some parts transformation and some and just revealing themselves for who they've actually been for a long time. Now, that's the Democrats, I think. I think the Republicans were, again, basically spineless (laughs) until – until Trump got elected, but maybe that they finally, you know, have a a, a leader of their party, but he's really not a Republican, <coughs> excuse me, but a leader of their party who actually has some backbone.
2: Absolutely, you couldn't have said it any better, Robert.
1: Appreciate it. So yeah, let's go ahead and start from um, you know wherever you're comfortable with uh, the top, the uh, the bottom, working backwards, whichever you're more comfortable with. So- on you know what your experience was and again you know something you wouldn't expect to hear happening here uh in the United States uh the United States of America but you know it did
2: it it did it was a a very um, scary ordeal it 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 was a a, a nightmare um it, it it was something that you would think uh would have came out of a a non-fiction movie or a sci-fi movie, Um, uh, but it did happen. And um, so uh, I was previously uh, engaged for six years, a long time ago. Um, It didn't work out. We broke up in 2011, my ex-fiance. But we chose to remain in each other's life, and I'm grateful for that. And um, she's young. And uh, we're only six, uh, about maybe seven months apart. She was born October of uh, 1980. I was born January. And um, at the age of uh, 38, she suffered a a massive stroke and aneurysm. Um, She went out one night to uh, take a normal walk in Waikiki. And when she didn't return, uh, I reported her missing and uh, I was panicking and scared because it was not like her to leave and uh, not uh, send a text or not communicate whatsoever. Uh, 48 hours had passed, and, you know, as each minute, second, uh, hour passed by, I, I was fearing the worst. And uh, the detective, at the time we were both, uh, you know, residing in Hawaii, in Honolulu, came from the Philippines when she was five, so she was raised in Honolulu all her life. Uh, since the age of five, I-, I was born and raised in Queens, New York, and I left New York when I was 18 after I graduated high school. And uh, when I uh, relocated to Hawaii back in 04, that's when I met her. Her name is Berna. Uh, and um, so, yeah... Um, the detective that was assigned to the missing report, uh, you know, case said, why don't you start calling hospitals and, uh, see if by any chance, maybe she stuck one under the hospitals. I-, I was very skeptical. I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's not even probable. I mean, what good is that going to do me calling hospitals at random, but nonetheless out of desperation, I did. I did. Uh, Finally, one of the hospital switchboard operators confirmed that uh, someone under uh, my ex fiances name was indeed at the hospital. Now, keep in mind, I had no clue what I was walking into. Uh, When I walked in, uh, I found that she was just waking up from an induced coma. She had a feeding tube on her, and receiving the catastrophic news that she suffered a stroke, a massive stroke and an aneurysm. And
1: so that happening to you know someone so young uh that's definitely gonna have you know even for you know, older people you know has a, a that's an effect to I me mean, i know my my dad uh at a young age he was fifty six so he certainly wasn't as young as she uh you know had one so that definitely you know has an effect on you and and so what it did mean you now for him he was uh, affected on his, his right side affected his speech and had no longer use of his arm and he actually uh, had to be forced to uh, be on disability and then then retire um so he lost about nine nine years worth of you know saving up for his retirement things of that nature so that so that definitely could cause a lot of you know effects and especially at somebody so young you know how was she quite it, all affected it, with, by that
2: it it absolutely does and I'm really sorry to hear that about your dad, but sadly <laughs> I can say i i know I know what it feels like. Uh, and especially that it happened at such a, a young age, you know, 38, you're still at the prime of your life. And it it, it totally altered her. Um, you know, all the doctors said that she was lucky. She dodged the bullet big time. Um, lucky in the fact that she didn't suffer any permanent paralysis or none of her motor function skills was affected in any way. But what it did affect and what a lot of people don't know what a stroke does is, is it, it affects uh, your your emotions—it—it—it uh, it, it, it does damage to different parts of the brains that controls that. And I'm telling you, it—it it was a life-altering event for the worse, um, because everything went downhill after that. Hawaii has the worst medical system in the whole country. Now, many people ask, why is that? Paradise is a great place to live. Don't get me wrong, but not if you're a person who has a serious preexisting condition or not if you're someone like Berna who suffered a massive stroke and aneurysm. Uh, the reason that is, is because Hawaii ranks dead last in what they pay their professionals. And so we have a lot of doctor shortages and teacher shortages, uh, lawyer shortages, engineers, uh, all the professionals, uh, go to the mainland so they can get paid double of what they would get paid in comparison to what the professionals get paid, uh, such as the doctors in Hawaii, which, which leaves the bottom of the pile or uh, another term people use. It leaves the hospitals filled with nurse practitioners instead of doctors. And uh, if they do have doctors, they tend to be horse doctors, Uh, pardon the uh, expression. And so, The system looked the other way, uh, because as she began deteriorating, uh, first it started with um, her losing appetite, her not wanting to eat, her not wanting to drink, um, her not wanting to go out anymore for rides like she used to for fresh air, her no longer wanting to see her doctors or take her medications. Uh, It's like anything that goes untreated, it becomes worse. And I pleaded with the doctors, and I God knows how many hospitals I hopped around to, God knows how many doctors and specialists I I, I went to, and uh, a few of the doctors even one time told me, well, what do you want us to do? Well, we can't force a patient to eat or drink, and I'm literally pleading with the doctor, and I'm saying, you realize that not her fault, um, she's not rational, she's not lucid, she's going to starve herself to death, and you're telling me you're telling me that, what are you supposed to do? You can't force a patient to eat or drink. And so the sad part is they looked the other way. And um, I had to think of something quickly, Robert, because she, timing was not on her side. Um, the human body can go seven days without food, but it can't go seven days without water. And uh, I was afraid I was gonna come home from work and uh, find a dead corpse. And the sad part is Robert, it would have been damned if you do, damned if you don't. If she would have died under my care, they would have came after me legally and said that it was my responsibility to have said something or reached out for help. And damned if you don't, because when you reach out for help, that same system who took the Hippocratic oath to always do what's in the best interest of the patient well, they'll just say, well, what do you want us to do? We can't force her to eat or drink. So they, they look the other way is what they did. So being that I have uh, my mom and dad still back in New York, I says, you know what, I'm gonna do a Hail Mary. I have to take a chance because there's not much time left. Uh, and uh, I decided to get on a plane, fly her to New York, and take her to a, a mainland hospital to get treated. When she got on the plane, her lips were so purple due to dehydration. It was a miracle that she made it on the plane. And I got a lot of flack from a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people said a lot of mean, demeaning things such as, she's not my moral obligation. She's not my responsibility. Um, she's no longer my fiancé. Why am I getting involved? Just put her in a shelter, Um Put her in a home. And I'm like, no, you know, you just don't do that to the people you love. And I would so, tell people it's easy for you to say that when that's not your loved one. But if, God forbid, the shoe was on the other foot, it'd be a whole different story.
1: So once you got her there and she went to New York, uh, and that's where it even escalated, got worse, is it right?
2: Correct. In one, in one major regard, she was lucky that it was before COVID hit. Uh, and because I, we arrived there on February 1st uh, of this year, the next day I took her to New York Presbyterian Hospital, which is uh, supposed to be one of the best private hospitals in Manhattan. Uh, the timing was perfect because uh, at first I told them, you know, you do what you need to do. I showed them my medical power of attorney document uh Verna, after the stroke, appointed me to be her medical power of attorney. Uh, she entrusted me with that to carry out her, her wishes and her medical decisions, make the medical decisions for it. Um, and so in that regard, uh, she was lucky that it was before COVID because they had the time to dedicate to patients like her. Uh, and she wound up staying a whole month and a week, and she was discharged on March the 5th two weeks prior to the national shutdown. At first, they had to put a feeding tube because she was very resistant. She didn't want to eat. She didn't want to drink. And I said, just, I begged them. I said, just save her life. Do what you need to do. I give you full full authority to do so. And um, I was very skeptical. Things were not looking good. I could only stay 10 days because I had to return back to Hawaii to go back to work. Uh, I went with a broken heart not knowing what it was going to be. And then a few weeks later, a miracle happened, and she started responding, and she started to voluntarily even drink again. And I think that was the most lucid, lucid and coherent she's ever been prior to the stroke. So whatever medications or treatments they were giving her were, were, was working, absolutely. And um, she was discharged on March the 5th, and uh, she was going to begin her outpatient treatment And then the whole world got blindsided with the unexpected. Uh, One of the worst enemies to ever affect uh, the planet, which was COVID-19. And uh, as part of the lockdown measures in the state of New York, I don't know what were the lockdown measures in other states. Uh, I do know they were the same lockdown measures as well for Hawaii. That that much I can say so because I was still living in Hawaii. Was that you could not seek outpatient treatment which is ludicrous. It's insane. Uh, Basically, the governors of the great state of Hawaii and New York stated that uh, you could not get any outpatient treatment, period. Uh, You could only go to the ER if you were in imminent danger or uh, health-wise or if you thought you had COVID. Uh, Even patients who were on chemotherapy could not get their chemo. My mother, who suffers from heart failure could not see her cardiologist. How anyone can deem that non-essential is beyond me, but unfortunately all the progress that was made at that hospital was all in vain because she wound up relapsing again because she couldn't get the outpatient treatment she needed to get back on the road to recovery. And
1: that's not even where the, the hardship leads to, I mean, that she faced, of course, physically, but for yourself, you're already going through, you know, the mental hardship of that. But that's not the end of it. That's actually kind of the uh, the beginning of your fight uh, with what happened there next.
2: Absolutely, it's it's not. I I, I still wish it were. So <laughs> back in July, I received a phone call from my mother. Uh, early July, it was prior to the 6th of July, I'm positive of that. Um, I think it was around the second or third, and my mother told me Berna, she, uh, she passed out. And I'm now like, you to now. You this, be kidding real real me.
1: quick, real quick, Joseph, for the audience. Now at this point, she's still in New York, and you're in Hawaii at the time, correct?
2: Correct, correct. Yes, she okay. was still
1: okay.
2: under the care of my mother. Thank God, my mother was gracious enough to temporarily take her in. That was one of the major reasons why I also decided to take her to New York is because I had family there. So I had a moral support structure system there um, that would be able to accommodate um, Berna. And so, yeah, so I'm still in Hawaii, um, still making the medical decisions, but just doing them over the phone. And, yeah, she passed out. Uh, The only problem was that if she would have called the paramedics, they would have been mandated to take her to the two closest hospitals – One of them is Elmhurst Hospital and the other one is uh, Long Island Jewish uh, Forest Hills, Uh, both which would have been not the right choices. And uh, Elmhurst Hospital has garnered media attention with the uh, COVID, uh, being a COVID epicenter. And actually, there was this nurse who went undercover with the undercover cam. And her name is Irene Marie Olzowski. And she wrote a book called Undercover Epicenter Nurse, How Fraud, Negligence and Greed Led to Unnecessary Deaths at Elmer's Hospital. And in that undercover footage back in June, she goes in and there she has the footage of doctors telling the nurses to put the COVID patients with the non-COVID patients. And as part of their COVID-19 policies, they forbid they forbid, and didn't allow family members to even visit their loved ones. They were banned <laughs> right, from right. visiting them at all, all in the name of COVID. And so what she writes a lot uh, and focuses on her book is uh, the governor of that state, Governor Cuomo, basically gave free reign to these hospitals to do what they wanted in the name of COVID. And she said that by not allowing the families – Uh, to be the eyes and ears of the patients that made the patients under these hospitals care even more vulnerable. And that was really scary, she said, uh, the the nurse, uh, Irene Marie Ozowski, because she said that, uh, you know, the whole point of family is is to have them advocate for you. And they made it so that they couldn't do so. And uh, that's how they were able to get away with putting the COVID with the non-COVID patients is because they didn't have family members there to, uh, to to monitor or look out for their loved ones who were admitted into Elmer's Hospital. And um, so I told my mother, Elmhurst is not an option. Uh, Long Island Jewish Afar Stills is not an option. Let's try St. Francis Hospital because it's ranked as one of the best hospitals in the country. It's located in Roslyn, New York, which is in Long Island. So my mother took Berna and about an hour, took about an hour cab ride, I'd have to say, Robert. And the moment she got there, that's, that's when everything hit the ceiling. Because the very first thing the triage nurse told my mom was, from that point, my mother could not go in. And my mother is like, excuse me, what? And the nurse says, you heard me right. You, you can't go in as part of our COVID-19 policies. And she's like, you realize this is a stroke patient. She's not coherent. Uh, she's not lucid. She's not going to be able to uh, articulate what's going on or her medical history. By you banning me from being with her in the ER or, or speaking to any of the attending physicians, well, how are you supposed to know what's, what's really going on or her medical history? And the nurse said, well, I'm sorry, those are our COVID-19 policies. You're going to have to leave the premises or we're we'll called security. And this is the number, just call back in a couple hours to check the status. I immediately
3: – my not mother the land of the had free, called me.
2: Not the land of the free. No, not, not, not at all. Because my mother called me, and the first thing I said was just have her discharged. Because I, I knew that red flags went up. That was not a good sign. Hmm.
3: Um,
2: I said that's never a good sign when they're banning you from the ER especially when my mother is uh, explaining that she's not going to be able to articulate what's going on because of her mental state. And so I says, no, just, just tell her to forget it. Just tell her, just discharge her and let her go. And they, the nurse said, no, we're not going to discharge her. We we are going to leave her in the ER. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And that's, that's, that's where the nightmare really begun. That was the beginning of it. I'm like, this makes no sense. Just discharge her. I says I'm the power of attorney, and they're like, we could care less. We're we're gonna admit her to the ER. And if your mom wants an update, she'll have to call back in a couple of hours.
1: And then what happened? What happened after that? It just kind of escalated, did it not?
2: It did. It did. Um, they wound up admitting her. And uh, at first, the first couple of days. Uh, the, the team of doctors and the nurses and the, the caseworkers that were were assigned to her, they were very uh, cooperative and they were very friendly at first uh, because they needed to uh, get certain information about her medical history and things of that nature. I faxed over my medical power of attorney to, to them, that document, to let them know that I was the legitimate uh, power of attorney. And everything went well until about a week later. Bernadette, um, that's her full name, but I call her Berna for short. Uh, she got up because she just wanted to take a little walk. She didn't know that that was forbidden. And, uh, the nurses started freaking out. No, 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 no. You got to lay down. Uh, you're a fall risk. So now we got to put someone right by your door to watch you. And I'm like, that was making her feel uncomfortable because usually they do that to people who have, uh, a psychiatric disorder and they have intentions on admitting them in the psych ward. And remember, she was brought there to get better, not to get worse, not to be traumatized.
0: Right, right.
2: And so it, it was right in her room and the nurse was staring at her the whole time and I says, is this necessary? And they says, yes, because she's a fall risk. And I'm like, well, then why can't you just have someone stationed outside the room? And if she tries to get up, they'll hear her or the alarm yeah, will go off she doesn't feel I mean, comfortable.
1: I, I mean, I've worked in nursing homes and they have like movement alarms. I I, I can't believe that they wouldn't have something like that.
2: <laughs> exactly, and, and and they did have alarms. Uh, they they just for some reason wanted to go this route. I don't know why. And that's when Bernadette started to get anxious and she started to tell me that you know they're they're starting to traumatize me and they're harassing me and. I don't feel comfortable. And they're also mentioning something about a group home. And I'm like, group home? What, what, what do you mean? And Verna didn't know how to articulate it to me. Uh, so she told me just speak to the doctors. So at first I, I called the nursing station and I'm like, look, you know this needs to stop. She's a stroke patient. She's emotionally fragile. I brought her there to get better, not to get worse. And I'm getting the complaints coming from the patient's mouth herself she does not feel comfortable and all the nurses kept on saying for the for the next 3 days in a row was oh a doctor will call you back and after 3 days when no doctors on her team call me back more red flags i knew something was really really wrong some that 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 it was obvious they were stalling for time and i don't know why they were what changed the whole dynamic was uh, on Sunday of that weekend, that was the last time I, I spoke with her. I, she had a, a phone in the, in the room and we were speaking maybe three, four times a day and she was frightened and she kept on telling me, don't, don't let them take me away. Don't let them do anything to me. And I says, sweetie, um, I would never let that happen. Uh, I'm always going to protect you. Uh, that, that's not going to happen, I promise you. So don't worry about it. And a few hours later, I call, and, and, the, and the phone is disconnected. And then I called the nursing station, and every time I couldn't even get a word out, Robert, I would just say, hello, can I click? Because they recognized my number. I called about five more times. I couldn't even get a word out. I just they just kept hanging up on me. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that you're not supposed to do that. That's illegal. It's unprofessional. It's unethical. What, what, what the heck's going on? And so uh, then I called the switchboard operator, and, and here's where it got so scary. I says, uh, do you have a patient there under the name of Bernadette Valdivia? And the operator goes, no, we don't. And I'm like, excuse me? can I give you the spelling of the name? Maybe you misspelled it. And this is the room she used to be in. The operator goes, sir, we've never even had a patient ever admitted to that hospital under that name. (laughs) And I have to say that at that point is when my heart leaped out of my chest. And at that point is where I just booked a ticket for the next day to get on a plane. I knew something was wrong, and I I knew I had to get down there right away. And uh, that's what prompted me to get on the plane literally the next day and fly all the way down there because uh, that was just beyond the pale. They basically ghosted her. They made it so that she didn't exist. And that's why I say it's no longer the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is the kind of stuff you hear about in, in police states or in communist states or in totalitarian, totalitarian, uh regimes. This is the kind of things you would hear that are common in China or in Cuba or in Venezuela. But you would never think that this is possible of happening in the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. I It, it was beyond the pale when they told me that they went as far as to say that she never... Was a patient period. I I I just couldn't believe it. I was in disbelief.
1: And then they now they they, they moved on, you know, where you know again they try to you know ignore or not ignore lie. The fact that she was there and then what did they do after that? I mean they even tried to uh well I'll let you go ahead and do that, yeah.
2: Correct. So the very next day, uh I I was not able to get a, a a direct flight, so I had a connecting flight. Uh when I go to uh turn on my phone as I was waiting for the connecting flight. I receive a voicemail from the case management team. That was their name. That's basically the social workers, just another way to call them, another name they go by. And they go, "We're just letting you know that um, we moved Berna to another room, and we can't give you any other information at 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 the moment." And I, I almost dropped the phone from my, um, from my hand, because I couldn't. Understand how a hospital, especially a Catholic hospital, could be so cruel to put me through all that duress and to make me believe that she, even though I knew she was in the hospital, but to make it so that she was never even there. And then to have the nerve to call me the next day and tell me they moved her to another room, but at that current point in time, they couldn't tell me anything else about it 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 just i i there's no words to even describe it and and one of the first things i did is i i, I called back and luckily they picked up and i, I one of the, the the case management workers i says why would you have the switchboard operator lie and say that she was never even a patient there and guess what the 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 woman the 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 woman said to me the um, I don't remember her name she says oh well um, we can't answer that I says you can't answer that and why are you not allowing me what is the legal reason as to why you're not allowing me the legitimate power of attorney to have communication with her why did you sever communications And she responded the same way, well, uh, we're not going to answer that. And I says, well, guess what? I'm on my way with the connecting flight to New York, and I promise you, justice is going to be served. I I could assure you that much. And if I have to hire a lawyer, so be it. And her response was, oh, well, you do what you need to do. She said it so nonchalantly, but in such an arrogant way. And luckily, when I got down there, uh, I contacted uh, a colleague of mine, who I also know on a professional level, who handles these type of cases. And thank God he decided to represent me. And at the time that I retained him, the lawyer had retained the law firm, and they were trying to file an Article 81, which means in the state of New York, they, they were going to file an Article 81 to appoint her as a ward of the state.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm
2: thinking, but are Dr. you Kober, kidding he me? Was, uh,
1: yeah, he, he, uh, Dr. Cobra dealt with this some years ago, but go ahead. It, I,
2: I, I couldn't believe it. It's like you someone goes in there to an ER for medical treatment, and the next thing you know it, it was like they were trying to abduct her from me and they were giving yep. no legal reasoning why everything they did and how they went about it was illegal was unethical was a violation of of the legal laws that are on the books the 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 you know the uh, the medical laws that they have to abide by everything they did was it was beyond the pale it's is like i said is what you would think would happen in a in in a state like like uh, you know in a in a communist uh regime or in a I don't even know it's just really hard to um to get this all out but uh I just could not believe it how 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 does that how does this happen in America and uh, and, and and it is so scary because I I don't think I'm the first or the last. And the reason why I wanted to tell my story is because I want other people to not make the mistake that I did in trusting the system. And uh, if you're ever thinking of taking your loved ones to a hospital, look up what their COVID-19 policies are. I, I, would, I never even fathomed I would have to look up something like that. Who would ever thought that bringing her to the ER would turn into what they were trying to do is basically abduct her, make her a ward of the state for no just reasoning. It wasn't like she was an orphan that was dropped at, 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 at the doorstep of the hospital. They were trying to pry her away from everyone she knew and she loved. And leave her in a state where she knows nobody. She has no ties. She's not from New York. She was never raised in New York. And the sad part is, had I not been able to afford legal representation, I would have never been able to free her. Because my lawyer knew I had a case. They were on the verge of filing Article 81. And had they done that, I would probably still be lingering in New York as we speak because the courts are still not open yet as part of the lockdown measures. And poor Berna would be suffering even more because she'd be lingering in the hospital until they would be able to litigate this in court. So luckily, had it not been for me jumping on the plane within 24 hours, I think just even waiting a few more days would have made the whole difference in the world in the worst way because once they would have filed that Article 81, that's it. We'd have to wait till the courts open and we'd have to take this to trial. So luckily my lawyer said, look, you know you don't have a case. You know you have no just grounds to do this. You even went as far as to lie and say that she was never a patient. I demand that you immediately release her back into my client's care because if this goes to court, you will lose. And 24 hours later, they responded back and they said, fine, we'll discharge her back into your care under one condition. I had to take her back with me to Hawaii. And that's what I did. I took her back. I was determined. And justice prevailed, luckily, only because I was in a position to hire a lawyer. I'm telling you, Robert, had I not hired a lawyer, had I not had the means to get on the plane, it would be a whole different story. And, and shame on all the folks who
1: aren't able to do
2: that. Yeah. Many, many. And that's what they do. They prey on the vulnerable, they prey on the weak. And, uh, you know, shame on these people for doing that. And all in the name of COVID. How they would almost want to destroy someone's life. I tell you, Robert, if they would have made her a ward of the state, they would have condemned her to death. A 38 year old being forced into a group home, she would have died of depression or a broken heart.
1: Oh, I tell you what, I still 38. I, 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 I've been to nursing homes. I worked in one for a year, and unfortunately, you know, because of my dad's stroke, I mentioned earlier, he's, he's in one now. Luckily, he's in, he's in much better shape than a lot of the, the other folks there. But and, and I'm not saying the people in the nursing home, you know, you know are bad. I'm just saying that that's certainly not. You know, a life really is. I mean, it's it's a life, but it's certainly not any kind of good life. Let me tell you.
2: No, and especially with the whole issue of, I was worried about her getting COVID because in the nursing homes, Governor Cuomo allowed he basically mandated a, a, a he he mandated that the nursing homes could not refuse patients if they had COVID into going into homes which is, is, is ridiculous. And, and that's how a lot of these elderly patients who are non-COVID wound up getting COVID because he put the COVID with the non-COVID and he mandated that. He said, no, nursing home couldn't refuse someone with COVID. And um, so luckily I got her back, but the emotional scars that have been inflicted upon her and upon me and the duress, that we all had to go through and my family had to go through because of, because of how corrupt this hospital uh, was and still is. And because they, they think they're above the law. That's the sad part. And because they're emboldened by Cuomo, who has given them free reign to do as they please in the name of COVID. I, 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 none of us are ever going to be the same. You know, those emotional scars, they, they don't go away. There's not a moment that doesn't go by that I don't think about what happens every day. It's like Huntsman flashbacks, uh, you know, playing over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, when we got to Hawaii, I also faced one big challenge, Robert, and it was she would be subjected to the same medical system that looked the other way instead of helping her and treating her. But I, I, I got to give credit to the hospital system in Hawaii. Even though they looked the other way, at least they didn't try to abduct her. At least they didn't try to yeah. make her a ward to the state. And, and, and you know what's scary, Robert? A power of attorney is done, especially medically, is usually done by a patient who is entrusting somebody to carry out their wishes if they were ever incapacitated, that they're trusting that person to make the medical decisions for them if they ever become incapacitated or unable to do so. And the fact that me being power of attorney meant nothing to them, that is scary. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a power of attorney and you think that that power of attorney is valid, it took me Until this experience to learn that when you try to go above the law, when you try to be above the law, not even that document is valid because they didn't respect the document that I had. They took advantage that I was thousands of miles away, and I wasn't physically there. They underestimated how far I was going to go.
1: Exactly. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And so I had a big decision to make. And the decision was, if we stay in Hawaii, I subject her to the same system that failed her. And also at the same time, at first my landlord said he wouldn't mind adding her onto the lease. So when she first got there, we were all mandated to do a 14-day quarantine. And that did not help her mental state because she needed the fresh air. She needed to get out. And the quarantine was so stringent that you couldn't even go out the front door to even go through the hallway if you were in a building, for example, an apartment building versus a house. And that was a tough toll on her because she's never been quarantined before. So on top of everything she suffered in New York, as soon as she gets back to paradise, it was like she was under house arrest for 14 days. And when my landlord... Oh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. And um, when my landlord capitulated and he said that she could no longer be on the lease, it's when I said, you know what? If Verna can't be on the lease, then I'm moving on to greener pastures. And I said, you know what? I'm willing to give up everything for her, for the person that I love. For the person that I've never stopped loving. And I said, I'm willing to give it all up because I could have taken the easy way out. I could have stayed. I could have continued. I could have held out longer in Hawaii. I could have continued to have kept my lease. I could have did all of that, but I did what I, what I felt was right. And I have, I don't regret it. I literally sold everything I owned within two weeks I put her up in a hotel temporarily after she was done with the quarantine, and we moved to Alaska. And well, you finally got to, to Red State.
3: <laughs>
2: absolutely, and, I'm, and you don't know how happy I am. It, it's like night and day. I'm telling you it is. For example, when we landed at the airport, instead of mandating you to a 14-day quarantine, they actually offer you a free COVID test right at the airport. And if you take the COVID test, they give you the benefit of the doubt, and you're not subjected to a quarantine. And they give you the results within three days via email. And I says, that's how they should be doing this in New York. That's how they should be doing this in Hawaii. You see, there are better creative solutions without having to make it so draconian. And I'll leave you with one more thing, Robert. I left Hawaii at the right timing because about a week later, Governor Ige of the state of Hawaii issued a complete second statewide shutdown. And he even put in, issued more draconian measures by saying that friends could no longer visit friends anymore. Only household members could visit household members. And you could not have any gatherings outside or even inside your house and you have to be mandated to wear the mask and you could only work remotely from home. Now, how does that work? How, how can you control what, what gatherings you have or how many people inside your own dwelling? How do you decipher or how do you determine who is a friend and who is not a friend visiting? Like, like none of the policies you instituted make any logical sense. Exactly. Does that make any logical sense, Robert? Uh, how would they know?
1: Yeah, it's, a lot of it's arbitrary.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's my story. And um, thank you for allowing me to uh, come on the air and tell my story. And once again, whoever's listening, I urge you, I beg you, we live in scary times if you ever are going to take your friend or loved one to an ER before you go to the hospital, go on their website, heck, even call them and say, do your COVID-19 restrictions prohibit me as a family member or a friend from being able to advocate for the person that that needs to be admitted into the ER for medical care? Because I don't want, another person to ever have to go through what we went through. Thank you, Robert.
1: You're welcome and we're gonna get Kelly in and last I uh, got a little audio clip. It's only about five minutes. Uh that it's 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 being all over America. And here's just a little you know, a little flavor of it. Uh, and then we'll bring in Kelly and then we'll bring in our our next topic, we're going to be talking about uh, amending H.R. 1850. We'll talk more about that. And I do got an article that I do want to set that topic up with after the uh, audio clip and then Kelly. But let's go ahead and uh, hear this audio I've got here. And you can hear all the audios, uh, watch the videos and the articles you hear from tonight, at least most of them, from the Bard's Logic Little Talk website. And now you can go to the uh, Bards Logic Political Talk Newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. You can even subscribe to the newsletter, and I tell you, you're not going to want to miss this, this this week. They had so many uh, good videos and, and articles, and they're all archives. You can always go back, but you know, there's so many good video, articles and, and videos on on this week's. Uh, you know, edition. Then you, you you certainly don't want to miss it. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Again, go to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com, and so the, you'll be able to see the video to this audio uh, that we'll have here, uh, and then we'll uh, bring in Kelly.
4: With Americans suffering under the restrictive lockdown policies across the nation, many are complaining that politicians have gone too far. Here's one America's Pearson Sharp.
5: In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. In America today, there's a growing divide between many of our politicians and the people they lead, between average, everyday citizens and the ruling elite. We feel it in the one-sided laws being passed with our leaders making rules for us and separate rules for them. For example, exempting themselves from wearing masks while imposing them on the rest of us. And even though our leaders have been wrong about this pandemic time and time again, wrong consistently about every aspect and have destroyed countless lives in the process, there are no consequences for them. People like Dr. Anthony Fauci, supposed experts who should know better, have been consistently wrong every step of the way. And yet his word is still treated like gospel. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Our lives, our livelihoods, cannot be turned off and on like a switch. We can't put everything on hold whenever a politician goes on TV and makes some wild new claim about the coronavirus, which inevitably ends up being wrong. Left-wing governors and mayors who are bankrupting the rest of America are still getting their haircuts, still traveling out of state with their families to go on vacations, still have their health care. And, like California Governor Gavin Newsom, while many Californians can't pay their rent thanks to his lockdowns, he's still buying multimillion-dollar mansions and keeping his winery open when he forces all the rest of them to close down. These shutdowns aren't affecting them. They don't care. Americans have had enough and they're making their voices heard loud and clear and those responsible for these injustices must be held accountable John Ziegler is just such an American who's fed up and in June he told the Ventura County Board of
6: Supervisors exactly how the rest of America is feeling after waiting for two hours and now getting two minutes I'll get right to the point Uh, this board is pretending that for the last three months, your emperor, Dr. Levin, has not been against a mask declaration. Now all of a sudden we're pretending that masks are everything, even forcing speakers to use masks. I would like the board to take a position. Was Dr. Levin wrong for those three months? And if he was this wrong, why has he not been removed? Why has he not been fired for being so catastrophically wrong? Or do you not really believe he was wrong you're just wearing these masks because it is a signal of your great virtue. Because for the last three months, we have not worn them, and Ventura County has done outstandingly well and continues to do outstandingly well because we are not Los Angeles. We are not New York City. We never were going to be any of those things. Ironically, this is one of the few things Dr. Levin was actually right about. He has been wrong about everything. He is the one who told us we would have four to 600 hospitalizations a day. He revived that to two to four hundred a day. We still haven't reached that in one day. We're barely over two hundred for the entire ordeal that you guys have put us through. We now have panicked over fifty-one total hospitalizations in a county with eight hospitals. Can you people do math? Can you please do basic math and understand where we are on this? This is not a crisis. You, however, have created one. You, in an effort to try to prevent all death, when we've had 43 deaths, have now ended all relevant life, and you should all be ashamed of yourselves, and this will never be forgotten. Ever be forgotten. You will all be held accountable eventually, in this life or the next. You all better hope there is no hell, because when you die, that's where you're going. And guess what? You're not going to be dying of COVID either. Thank you.
5: Thank you. But the pandemic isn't the only crisis being manufactured by the political elite. And the outrage over the death of George Floyd has been amplified to the extreme. All the while lawmakers sit back and allow businesses to be burned to the ground. Here's another American who's had enough and doesn't buy into the sensationalist media hype surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement.
3: I can't
7: believe you got to explain this to these brain dead Negroes.
3: Well, don't your black lives matter?
7: Yeah. And you know why? Because I say that it matters. See, I don't need to go out in the street with a sign screaming this like a idiot and throwing a temper tantrum like a damn child. Uh, also, I'm not even remotely worried about being killed by the police. You know why? Come here. Let me tell you. Because I'm not a criminal and I don't go around committing crimes. Also, if I do interact with the police, guess what else I don't do? I don't fight the cops and I don't resist arrest like a moron. I don't know why they always killing us. Really? See, nobody cares about your skin color. Nobody gives a damn about your brown skin. See, it's your up behavior is why people don't like you. That's why I don't like you, you dumb, stupid
1: motherfuckers.
7: Want to see more videos like this?
1: I tell you what, that was fun going off. And that was the black gentleman too who was who was saying that. I, I had am glad they added that and a little humor in there, but uh but yeah, that was that was fun and, and that's the point I always make. It's like, you know what, if you're not resisting arrest, if you're not committing a crime, the chances of you getting shot by a, 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 a cop, a police officer, is are pretty slim. You
3: know, but anyway, let's
1: go ahead and bring in Kelly, then I would get to that article to uh to discuss our next topic for this evening and so let's go ahead and welcome kelly uh thank you very much kelly for coming to the show
4: how are you tonight oh good we had a little over a hundred stretch that we got several days in in the hundreds but uh thought summer was gone but oh well um yeah i was um uh, i caught the tail i caught about half of your story there joseph and i just my total sympathies empathy uh, <laughs> Parents for you, whatever that had to been, a terrible experience to go through. Um, Gosh, I'm just it's human beings should be treated like human beings. I mean, I I, even if they're homeless or whatever, I work with the homeless, they should be treated as humans with dignity. Um, Luckily, in the small town where I'm at, I'm taking a homeless guy to the ER and to the doctor and stuff, and they treat him with dignity, and that's what's nice about a small town these big cities man, oh my gosh! I'm beginning to wonder if what they were trying to do um to this person was they were, were were trying to get federal dollars was that what they were trying to do i don't I don't know, but i'm i I hope they're doing very well now, as far as you know the person who helped um so
2: thank, thank was it you a friend or family
4: saying, member devil. or you know was it a friend uh, or a family my, member?
2: no, it was my ex fiance uh, but she's like family to me. Uh and actually uh they get a kickback. Uh I found out that they get a uh, they get a an incentive every time they refer someone to, to a home or recommend them for a group home. And so that, that is the sad part is they do get some sort of uh financial um reward for that, which is which is really, really egregious. But uh you were right on the money on that.
4: Wow, well what's frightening is uh New York sent a lot of people, uh, COVID patients into nursing homes and nursing home people are dying. One lady on top of her bridge, she had like a blanket with a sign, um, Cuomo, Cuomo killed my grandma. Yeah, I've seen that. You know? Yeah. It's mind blowing what's going on in the world. Um the almighty dog my condolences, Is that what we're gonna worship
2: I'm so sorry to hear that my condolences
4: well it was somebody else's uh, grandmother in in New York that anyway but um anyway yeah i was you know I was late coming on I was walking with uh, working with a team researchers, scientists attorneys statisticians uh doctors they put together one heck of a report it's gonna come out hopefully in a week or two. And, uh, well, the CDC came out recently and said, you know, all those deaths we reported were corona, COVID 19? uh, Well, only 6% of them were purely corona. Yeah. Well, I knew this. Yep. And so. Only 6%, um,
1: right. 94% yeah, so had then, uh, kind of underlying condition.
4: Right. So, what? So, that was quite the confession there. And, um, so, this team, it's going to be a stunning report. I knew ahead of time that it from what the research was, that they had overreported it because what they did is they took the reporting method that they've been using for 17 years and they switched it. The old method would be, um, for example, H1N1. Uh, primary cause of death, congestive heart failure. Number two, symptom, diabetes. Three would be H1N1. Now, with the CDC doing a roll your own standards of reporting. What the CDC did was require you to write first corona, then congestive heart failure, then diabetes. And I've done a preliminary grand jury indictment because that's how you hold them accountable. The Fifth Amendment makes that clear. But uh, all sorts of charges. This is going to be for another show. We're trying to get. We want to get this to the Justice Department and get these people behind bars. That's the goal, and I can't believe people are not, you know, in my small town, a lot of people just that ah, it's baloney. As a mask expert, by the way, an expert in filtration, take a cigarette, put on your mask, blow it out. If you can blow out cigarette smoke, it's two microns, two millionths of a meter. A micron is a thousand millimeter or A 1,000 microns is one millimeter. A million microns is one meter, okay? Cigarette smoke or fire smoke is two microns. The COVID virus is like less than 0.2 microns. In other words, if you can get cigarette smoke through your mask, even the N95 mask, or even in a little gap between your skin and the mask, that virus is getting out of your body if you have it, and if you're in, say, a Walmart, there's an HVAC system that's blowing air all over. Okay, and because it's so small, it doesn't just drop to the ground. It this the, the the HVAC system is blowing the virus all over from your nose, from your throat, all the way throughout the store. It's such a joke. When I'm civil engineer, I we become experts in. Filtration, but anyways, it's, it's, these masks are a joke. They're absolute jokes. Anyway, but I wanted to get to something where I need people's help. And I need people's help across the nation to get things to the United States senators. Um, a week ago Saturday on the 22nd, the House passed H.R. 8015, 8015. It's called Delivering the Delivering for America Act. And in it, they give the post office $25 billion. But they also say in section It's another two, bill that does the exact opposite. Well, when was the last time a one-item bill got introduced on the 11th, passed on the 22nd, on a Saturday? When was the last time a single-item bill made it through Congress so passed in 11 days and got approved on a Saturday? When, maybe, let's see, the Declaration of War against Japan after Pearl Harbor? <laughs> When did anything go through so fast? I actually watched it being passed. I watched the arguments live, you know, uh, C-Fan had it. And I I looked up the bill right away. Oh, all vote-by-mail envelopes have to go by first-class mail. Last week I discussed it briefly, and I was trying to confirm if there's any way to track first-class mail. The answer is no. Unless you can – you go an additional step. You take it and you go to the post office and say, priority mail, please. That has USPS tracking, just like FedEx and UPS. And and you can actually on USPS, you know, um, log in at station, like post office. Okay, well – You can see the whole tracking history, where it's been and when it was delivered. There you go. You look it up online. There, my ballot got delivered. Thank you very much. Guess what? Not in HR 8015. It's not there. In fact, there's multiple instances in HR 8015 that say thou shalt not do anything to slow the mail down. Oh, you mean like add a a barcode sticker Uh to the mail in ballot envelope? And scan it, thou shalt not thou shalt not basically within within a minute of reading this, I caught it. The people in the House of Representatives are saying we do not want a mail in ballot that's trackable from the doorstep of the voter to the county election official. Oh, but well, we want to give Americans lots of confidence. hey look twenty five billion. Your vote-by-mail is going to get there on time. Don't worry. Hey, go vote-by-mail. Governors that are on the fence, yeah, just go vote-by-mail. Oregon is a blue state. Oh, they went vote-by-mail 100%. Washington, vote-by-mail blue. Colorado, vote-by-mail 100% blue. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And the corona was just an incredible way to get people to vote-by-mail. Untracked. Their colors are shown. On the 22nd, I I think Robert sent the uh, H.R. 8015 to everybody, or at least a number of people. And so I ended up writing up a Senate amendment to it, which basically says add tracking, add a sticker, run it through priority mail. And so far, Andy Barr, he's a congressman from Kentucky. My contact there, Chris Stubes, she's an election integrity person after – Bevins, Matt Bevins lost to Bashir. She got on something and she found problems like um, in the primary, there was 15,000 ballots that never got counted mail-in ballots. It just didn't make it. And it was three counties sold 15,000 from these three counties. She's aware of the problem. Um, Dave Gets, a uh, really good guy. He's in, he, he's got some legislation in North Carolina. He got it passed. It is a felony in North Carolina, to switch somebody to vote by mail. If you're bringing in a mail-in ballot, guess what? You have to show your ID. And you can only bring in mail-in ballots for your friends or relatives. I'm sorry, for your relatives, basically. Only your relatives can bring it in. you still got to show an ID. when you. So North Carolina is, is pretty secure in this game show of trying to get everything into mail-in ballots. Uh, Arizona has a similar law, by the way. You, you can't just... Turn in somebody else's mail and ballot. You, you have to be a relative, and you have to be. Have to show your ID. Arizona, Maricopa County, anyway. They have a new system where you can log in to find out that your ballot was received. Good. That's a great start. That is only the county, not USPS. So, um, Andy Barr, Congressman, my um, contact, Chris Stube's had an event where he was there. She introduced the idea and he liked it. He wants to get this to Senator Rand Paul. Now, before I, you know, some people might say, oh, there's no problems whatsoever in vote by mail. Come on, people. Watch the vote. We've seen it. We've done surveys. We've heard stories. Other people, other groups have seen problems with the whole vote by mail thing. People getting switched to vote by mail. They never asked for it. They were vote per mail. They never got their ballots. There's all sorts of problems. Election justice did a similar survey. So I want to read to you an article I have from the New York Post. This just came to my attention on
0: oh,
1: Sunday morning. From a fr- is, it the, is it the same one I've got? <laughs>
4: oh, if it's the same one, yeah. yeah. A Democratic operative says voter fraud, especially with mail-in ballots, is no miss. And he knows this because he's been doing it on a grand scale for decades. And he hits Pennsylvania right. – he was consulting, doing consulting in Pennsylvania, New, New Jersey, and New York. He goes through, um, you know, an election that is swayed by 500 votes or 1,000, it can make a difference. And that's um, easy to do on some local elections. And there's even times enough. Do you, do you got, the, the vote count you got is before, so close, they can even. Well, I can read the whole thing if you want to hear it. I mean, it's, it's,
1: it's pretty long, but man, I, I mean, I read it today, and it's, it's pretty chock-full. I mean, I think. Since the article isn't on the website, it's not one of the articles I have on the website. I, I mean, I could put it on there um, for you, Kelly, but just in case people don't. I mean, there's this – it's a long article, and normally I don't like reading long long articles on there. But, I mean, there's just so much information in there. It's unbelievable
0: on, on yeah,
4: how they can hit. do it. It's, it's an,
0: it's
4: oh, awesome yeah. He, really. Yeah, well, they're, they're even uh, grabbing ballots for people. Oh, let me mail your ballot in for you they take it home. They said five minutes over boiling water, pull out the ballot, stuff another one in, seal it back up, send it off. Um, and he even says here he led teams of fraudsters and mentored at least 20 operatives in New Jersey, New York and Pennsylvania. And, uh, they talk about, they looked up people that haven't voted in years and then Mm -hmm. they end up, they go ahead and they vote for them. Um, they they find ways to get the signature or they replace the signature card. You know, instead of Bob Jones, looking the way Bob Jones signs his signature card, it's Bob Jones different. Oh, but it's a submitted signature card. Oh, this is my new signature card. And, and, and if they, people get, oh, whoops, that was just an accident. Nursing homes are like a goldmine for them. Uh, they, they reported one nurse was doing this, uh, voting for these people. Um, of course, there's always bribing voters. The homeless it, it seems to be, a great pool of reliable voters. Um, and they're talking about hinting that Bloomberg did the same thing. Um, it can be so much as 174 bucks a vote or even 50 bucks if if they get the right deal. Um, it's really hard to catch. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's real folks. And so, um, I wanted to go through here. Let me see if I got my document here. Yeah, here's what it is. Here's what the revision says, okay, or the amendment that we're hoping to get passed in the Senate. (laughs) I just got to stop myself here. Okay, so the Dems did pass H.R. 8015. And now the Senate has to decide whether they're going to pass it or not. Some people I talk to, they're like, no, the Senate's not going to pass it. Well, boom. There you go. Egg on your face. The Democrats are trying to attempt to throw an egg on the face of the Republicans in the Senate. Okay. They will say, see, voter suppression. We've been talking about this. Media talks about it. Trump's trying to do voter suppression and stop the mail-in ballots. And now the Republicans, this is what they're going to say. And the Republicans, too, in the Senate. See, they're evil. They're
1: just
4: going to stop. And and the minorities and the racists. You you know, they're going to blah, 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 all this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if they pass – if the Senate passes this amendment to track the mail-in ballots, and they send it over to the House, and the House refuses to sign it, then the the Democrats in the House are going to have an egg pie on their face. And it comes down to one question. Do you want a trackable, honest mail-in election or not? That's what it comes down to. And so, anyway, but here's the amendment. This is a policy on required tracking of mail-in ballot envelopes. Upon initial contact by Postal Service personnel of a mail-in ballot envelope, going from a citizen to an election office, said personnel shall immediately affix a barcode sticker to the ballot envelope. Then said barcode shall be scanned for an electronic time, date, and location stamp said stickers and scans shall be used to track the ballot envelope the same as if the ballot envelope is a USPS priority mail package. Said barcode shall work with other mail identification methods to allow the mail and voter to look up a confirmed tracking locations and delivery confirmation of the election ballot envelope to their county election facility office. B. Postal Service personnel upon initial contact shall separate all mail-in-ballot envelopes from all other mail articles. C. A dedicated bin shall be designated at each post office for collection of all mail and ballot envelopes. D. Federal misdemeanor to place a mail and ballot envelope into the bin of item C above without a barcode sticker. Each offense, each ballot envelope placed illegally is its own separate misdemeanor. E. All mail in ballots shall be processed through the priority mail system. F online tracking shall be either by voter name or their address. G. This section supersedes all other sections of HR eighty fifteen. That last one probably the most important because the way the the House read eighty the, the way the House of Representatives wrote eighty fifteen. … was to say in no uncertain terms, do not change anything that may hint mm-hmm. at slowing down the mail, <laughs> and it right. still has to be in first-class mail, untrackable.
1: Yeah, and that's why they want it to be first-class mail, because they don't want it to be tracked.
3: And, and then as you
1: stated, if people were to you know, have – if they were to put this in this amendment and the Democrats say no… Then they're like, well, why? Then then you're going to be questioning, well, why don't you want the mail to be tracked? You know, oh, well, we'll slow things down, Well, wait a minute. What's more important, this being slowed down or making sure that someone's vote is, uh, is cast? I mean, aren't the party supposedly the party that does not want, you know, is worried about people being disenfranchised? So you would, you would want to make sure just like there's a big hubbub on Facebook tonight where, you know, Trump said you know, hey, you go ahead and do in your mail ballot, but then go to the uh, the poll when it's time to vote. And if the, basically if the system is as good as they say it is, then the system should have already counted and said, oh yeah, you vote, and you wouldn't be able to vote again at the ballot box. And they're like, oh, see, look, Trump is encouraging people to vote twice. He's encouraging people to break the law. And <laughs> he's, it's like, no, it's not like that. He's saying basically, hey, I don't really trust this system of voting. So if you did vote and they counted your vote, then when you show up to vote, then they would be like, no, sorry, sir, or oh, no, sorry, ma'am, we have it here that you've already voted. Okay, so if they're sp- that's all Trump was saying, but of course they're going to try to spend everything they possibly can to try to make uh, try to make Trump look bad.
4: Well, that. That is an interesting way to communicate that. The uh, challenge with that is all the voter, all the <coughs> precinct workers, going to say is your vote by mail. When we did our survey in 2016, a lot of reports of people getting switched. They walk into the precinct. They've been voting for you know five, 10, 20 years. Live the same house. They go to their precinct, and they walk up and the, I'm here to vote. I say you, uh, you vote by mail. I said no, I'm not. I've never been voted by mail. What are you talking about? You are vote by mail. It says right here in our roster that you're vote by mail. Ma'am, I've never been vote by mail. Ever. I would like a ballot. And then the poll worker's like, this guy's trying to cheat and double vote. So it gets a little hostile. Uh, sir, you're gonna have to go home and get your vote by mail, ballot, bring it in here, and then we will discard it, then we will give you a ballot here at the precinct. And the guy's like, I've never had I never received a vote-by-mail ballot. What are you talking about? And then the precinct worker looks at him like, you're lying. You're trying to vote twice. It's an innocent exchange on both parts, but what happened is somebody, it happened in California quite a bit, somebody hacked into the computer and, and, and switched Bob on 123 Elm Street. He, they switched him to vote-by-mail when he was never vote-by-mail. Or, is county election clerk of county Colleen Tetzer reported in 2016 there were two precincts that never got their mail-in ballot how did she find out people were calling her hey where's the mail-in ballot what and they had to send out ballots again oh geez does that mean uh, and, and they said one precinct none of the ballots another precinct only a third of the ballots went out so you got to figure out what's going on because because with this mess up that happened here in the county and this is right in front of the county supervisors when she uh, her report of certification, so then the county certified the votes. But what happens if you get uh, somebody that has two two mail in ballots? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the department of redundancy would be very beneficial for some political party. And uh, and anyways, it all sorts of. I don't like vote by mail, absentee ballot, military. You, you you're working out of state. You're elderly, sick, whatever, what have you. Fine. Absentee, that's different from the universal mail and ballot, and Trump is using that word, those words now, distinguishing the two. Um, so, where this is, what I'm trying to, I, Robert sent the email out. Um, I would love to email to all 50 100 senators, 100 senators. I can't do that because they don't listen to people outside of my state. So, on the phone today with Sony from Idaho, He's going to do this. I'm going to get on – Idaho is a good chance. There's only like, what, two million people in the state? He's got a good chance of getting a hold of his, of his uh, congressional senator, and he's going to do it. So basically what Robert sent, you can take – you go to the, your your uh, congressional senator's website, and there's a comment box. You just open the doc the, the document Robert sent. Copy, cut, paste, throw it in there. Uh, and There's other little boxes you have to fill out, what have you, particularly like your zip code. Are you even from my state? So uh, I sent one to my congressman you know, early on, um, gave him my zip code. I talked – I've been trying to get a hold of the field aide who comes up here to Wairika here and there. And I don't know – Real quick, Kelly, know, program,
1: wrote, wrote, wrote programming though. Just, uh, after Kelly, yourself, we do have Randy on the line. Randy we will get you into the show uh, We still got over an hour and a half left So we got
4: plenty of time Go ahead Kelly Yeah so you know, I, I sent it to my congressman Because there is a sponsor necessary of the amendment When it goes back to the house The house has to have a sponsor Of the amendment And uh, so Andy Barr <laughs> and hopefully Doug LaMalfa Or some other congressman They'll get a, a sponsor But getting to congressmen They hobnob with senators as well Um, And one of the tricks is is they might say, well, there's actually two tricks out there. One of the tricks might be, um, oh, the Senate's is just going to kill it. Uh, And then they're going to get a big egg on their face. You might want to really think about that. And you can throw an egg pie back to the people in the house, an egg pie, when you add a tracking system. So that's one thing. The other thing is people are – uh, people are – there's an Election Integrity Act calling right now, but I'll, I'll keep going. Um, another thing is people are saying, oh, they're, the, uh, the IMB uh, tracks it. What's an IMB? The, it's called Intelligent Mail Barcode. What it is, you notice it's a long, thin strip, uh, often on the bottom. Sometimes it's in the sender's address, uh, like AT&T. Okay, so you get a bill from AT&T every month, right? You see these long vertical lines. That's called the Intelligent Mail Barcode. The Intelligent Mail Barcode is for the mailer as in AT&T, as in your utility company. What they're doing is they're – they worked it out with the post office, and they put this barcode in, and it saves saves AT&T, I'm going to guess, hundreds of thousands of dollars if not millions every month because it's just more fast, more efficient. It's all computerized. There are people on the internet saying, "Oh, the uh, the IMB, the Intelligent Mail Barcode, the, the IMB can track it completely." No, it can't. County election clerk, the IMB does nothing. But there are people, articles on the internet lying. Now, if you go to the USPS tracking website, you just you know USPS tracking, boom, little box pulls up, and there's you can put enter a bunch of numbers. Um the, uh, the IMB has no numbers to it, so you can't track it with that. But people are saying you can't. You can't. There's, so it, it's mind-blowing, the war out there, to get a mail-in ballot election with no tracking, no accountability. Um, so I want to… <laughs> We'll get some other people's thoughts about this, and then I'm going to read some accountability stories. Um, yeah, well,
1: what we'll do first, we'll get you know, we got other folks in chat. We also have uh, in the call, Randy, you're coming up in a few moments here, and then we'll bring uh, Kelly, then we'll bring uh, Joseph back into the panel. Uh, if you want to chime in, just push the one on the number dial. I will do uh, put you in the green room. Get uh, your name. And then we'll uh, move forward from there. Now, one programming note is that in about 34 minutes, uh, this portion of the program uh, will will shut down. So if you are in the chat, you will no longer be able to hear us. However, the show would go on for another hour, uh, and then you'd still be able to uh, listen to the program as well as chime in if you like. And that's by calling 347-945-7428. Uh, but first let's go ahead and get in Randy and see what Randy's thoughts are on the topics. Uh, thank you very much, Randy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Where, what state are you uh, calling
8: from this evening? Uh, California, San Francisco area. Gotcha. Go ahead, Randy. Thank you so much for, for having me guys. Um, I just want to kind of touch on, on the, as you can imagine living up in Northern California, specifically in the, in the Bay area. It's, um, uh, there's a lot of democratic democrats up here and, and I happen to be a republican um, which is at times could be a little uh disconcerting because there's uh, a you know
3: for me to go to
8: the polls if I'm ever asked you know during the exit poll you know who I voted for like last year I said I said Trump and and there's almost there's a lot of hostility um towards towards republicans especially in that kind of an area um even though I have you know friends that are that are you know Like I said, I live here in San Francisco, so it's not like as if, you know, it's not like as if I'm not open-minded or whatnot, but, I mean, it seems like every time I go to the polls, the polls, excuse me, hold on, can you guys shut up one second? My roommates, I'm sorry, my roommates are in the background. It seems as if I'm always being intimidated, if that makes sense. They try to intimidate, can you put a sock in his mouth, please? Jesus Christ? No, no, not a dick. Don't put his dick in your mouth. a sock, you idiot.
4: Okay. At least uh, this
8: is what happens when you surround yourself with Democrats. Oh, my God. Hold on. I need to tell these guys. Can you. Guys, can you guys calm down?
7: No, 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 no. Okay. These guys aren't going to stop. Okay.
1: We'll uh, we'll go ahead and bring it back to Randy. once to get the folks who are in the background calm down. Uh, then we we'll, could uh, we'll, we'll get Randy back in, but first, uh, got. It sounds like he had some things to deal with. See, I are dealing with some unruly Democrats. I mean, we're seeing that all across the country. At least they're not burning anything down, Randy. At least uh, not yet. And we certainly appreciate you calling. Once maybe, uh, and we'll get you back in, but we'll give you some time to get uh, them uh, all calmed down. Sounds like you might have to, to hurt them there. Uh, but go ahead, uh, Joe. Just uh, if you want to add in anything for. Uh, what Kelly's uh, hit on again? We got other callers that the one on your number dial. Uh, they're all Skype callers, so we'll, uh, we'll have to do uh, green room when you get uh, the number in the dial. So, but go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Jessica.
2: Kelly never ceases to amaze me. Uh, the type of different information he brings to the shows every week, I'm always learning something new. Thank you, Kelly. It's great to do that uh, because uh, it just opens up and broadens your horizons even further, and you learn things that you would have never even thought of or things that you never thought could be possible. Uh, But, uh, you know, overall, I'd have to say that right now, this is the most toxic environment or uh, political environment we've ever experienced in the history of our country. Because never... Never in the history of our country, despite both parties having their fallouts and their indifferences, but never, never would you dream of hearing that a United States senator by the name of Rand Paul and his family were almost victimized, were almost brutalized, were almost could have died had the D.C. police not been there. At now now that's taken it to an all-time level. It's taken it to the point of no return. It means that we are a country in peril, and like I've been saying for months, this has now become a country of chaos and anarchy. Who would have ever dreamt of the day that you would hear that a United States senator leaving a public Venue or event, which was the uh, RNC uh, speech by Trump, in our nation's capital, surrounded by people from Antifa, Black Lives Matter, with their young children all caught on tape, and the police literally having to fend them off. Mm -hmm. And yet, these people on the tape, the perpetrators, have not been held accountable. At this point, well, this won't is, be. <laughs> is out of control, right, Robert? This is insane. This is out of control, and you know what? If the shoe were on the other foot, if, God forbid, it was so-called white supremacists, and I'm just going to say so-called because that's just one of the delusions that the left has, is that if you're not a, if you're not a supporter of Biden and you're a supporter of Trump, uh, you're a white supremacist. So,
1: or Russian assets uh, uh, well it's oh, probably, Russia. probably Russia. not Russia. probably not the much <laughs> not much the Russian asset as much as it used to be it used to be, oh my gosh, on Twitter and facebook uh it, you know, 'cause i'm of course you know being those show I have to you know visit those you know those areas and social media but I tell, with, with with those two places if yeah if you are in any disagreement with their narrative uh you know, with, with their narrative, then they you, you're some kind of Russian, uh, you know, some kind of Russian agent. <laughs> they call you a convert. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead.
2: Absolutely. And, it, and, it, and if the shoe were on the other foot and this would have happened after Biden made his speech and it was done by so-called white supremacists, oh, my God, they would have had a field day. They'd be calling for Trump's impeachment. They'd be saying he should not be elected. They'd be calling the baskets of deplorables. To put. They would be going crazy with this. And yet MSNBC, CNN, not a peep. They didn't echo a peep of what happened to Senator Rand Paul, like it never existed. And, and, and that the gives a funny way of
1: putting it. <laughs> well, because it it, is, I mean, it, let's, be, let, let's be honest. It is, an echo, it is an echo chamber. I mean, it really is. It, it,
2: uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, this, but you know what? If if this were to happen to someone on the left i would equally be upset because right is right and wrong is wrong and don't get me don't 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 get me wrong i don't agree with the left's agenda but that doesn't justify the means for our 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 elected officials to be attacked and their families so if someone were to ask me on the flip side well how would you felt that that was AOC I look him dead in the eye and I say, I don't like AOC on a personal level, but that does not warrant to have her put in imminent danger or her family or her kids. It is not justifiable. I would not condone it either way. Heck, even if it were Nancy Pelosi, uh, the one who walked into a hair salon in uh, San Francisco, who was caught on tape not wearing her mask, as much as I detest her, there's a difference from detesting somebody and there's a difference from wanting their demise or wanting uh, imminent harm or, or or damage to be done to somebody. Oh. And you'd, you'd have to have no heart. You'd have to have no conscience to wish that upon others just because you politically don't agree with them. And I'm sorry, oh, well, but I'm just get, not that type of a person.
1: And, and we'll, we'll we'll touch base with Randy in a little bit, but I think what we're going to do here is uh, I was going to play this last week, and it's it's – an audio clip that is, again, I think we, I think you're just pointing that out. We uh, we just pointed out it's a good segue to that. You know what I was going to you know, play last week, of course we didn't have uh, then at the time for that. Um, and so let me go ahead. I'm gonna pull that up. And it, remember when? And this is back when you were talking about the vitriol uh, that's in that. And um, yeah, John, we're gonna bring back Randy. We promise. It just we'll, we'll get him time to. He says he's got a lot of Democrats, and it takes some time to. To calm him down, but I think, uh, and like I guess, said we'll, we'll bring back to him after this audio. Just at the time, uh, I think it was a good segue that you know that Joseph brought in for uh, this topic, and and remember when uh, Trump's brother passed away, and there was this big thing about you know the the, the wrong Trump, you know, like oh well, that should have been uh, you know Donald Trump instead, of – here. Here's a, an audio that I've got
9: from a, a, a woman who's reacted to that. Well, to get on my live, I'm literally holding two phones at one time. But you know what? I got to make a statement. I'm sorry. Y'all, I've been laying low, sitting in my house, quietly, just chilling, you know, um, resting because we got some crazy things planned uh, next week. And, um, you know, I just found out yesterday that uh, President Trump's brother, close brother, um, passed away. Uh, They tried to say COVID. Um, I feel like it wasn't COVID. I feel like he was murdered. This is my personal opinion. Um, I feel like how he died was malpractice. I'm going to be honest with you, and I feel like they wanted to hit Trump below the belt to weaken him, to get him to submit to this COVID agenda and mandate masks and uh, submit to this uh, vaccine uh, and all of this stuff that they're doing, right? I really believe that. So we prayed so hard for Trump last night that God would give him the strength and the peace. That's the past. All understanding, because you know, it, it and, and you know, we, we just started to go up in prayer, and then right after we were done with prayer, we heard a statement. Trump came out with a statement, and the statement in the statement, he said something that was so profound to me. He said, "We will see each other again." You guys, from personal experience, when my daddy died, the one thing that sustained me. I'm gonna be honest with you. The one thing that sustained me more than anything was the fact that I knew I was going to see my dad again. Like no matter what, I knew um, he was—he was—he. Was, I was gonna see him again because he accepted Jesus Christ. Um, you can only get that comfort when you know the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, you ain't gonna—you ain't gonna understand that comfort. You just gonna be thinking you caught a nail. But this is my thing. Even inside of all of that. They got this tweet going around right now saying wrong Trump. People got the audacity to be tweeting about it and saying, oh, that was wrong Trump. They got the wrong Trump. Listen, how sick and disgusting are you as a person to even tweet that? Like, how far, I mean, what's wrong with you people? What's wrong with y'all? Y'all would really tweet wrong Trump? I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, what is wrong with you? This man's brother died. His family member died. Like, can you stop being so hateful for maybe a day? Can you take a day off to let the man mourn his own blood, his flesh and blood dying? Oh, but because he's white, he doesn't have feelings, right? Because he's white and he's racist, he's not a human, he doesn't have feelings, they killed the wrong Trump, right? You know what? I don't listen. I know one thing. I'm saved. Yes, I'm saved. But if you come in my face and say something like that in front of me, I probably might punch you in your eye. I'm gonna be real. You come in front of my face and you say some disrespectful crap like that. Oh, wrong Trump. You might just catch a black eye because now you're you're going too far. There's certain lines you just don't cross, and that's one of them. That is sick. There's some lines you just don't cross. That's a line you don't cross. That's somebody's family. That's somebody's father. That's somebody's brother. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? And the sad part is while you out there pushing this type of stuff, best believe Trump is still going to win 2020. You can't stop him. You can try every single angle. It's not going to stop Trump from winning 2020. 2020 is in the bag. I promise you that. But I promise you right now, Keep that stuff online. You troll, you do that online. Cause if you bring that in front of me, yeah, I you might you might catch a nookie in the eye. I'm for real. Because now you're crossing too many lines. You're going too far. That is sick. Where's your dignity? Where's your elegance? Where's your class? Where's your consideration? You know, even when people even back in the days when thugs would do stupid stuff, they would at least respect the parents, respect death in the family. But we just living in a world that's I mean, y'all out here shooting up funerals, beating up grandmas, so you know what? I can't expect anything better from savage dogs like you guys, but to actually go around with a tweet saying, wrong Trump, you're a dog. That's what you are. When you tweet that, just know you're a dog. You're a nasty, disgusting, sick, twisted dog. That's what you are. You're You're beyond redeemable as far as I'm concerned, but I'm not God. So I can't say what God says, but I can tell you how I feel about you. I think you're a dog. That's what I feel like for you to even say something like that. You are out of your freaking mind. You're sick. Okay? So all of that being said, Christians, y'all pray for Trump. Pray for him because he is still a human being. He still has feelings just like everybody else. You know what I mean? And regardless of how big or how bold he is or how much he has, don't don't ever think that a person can't cry and, and, and be emotional and be hurt. And don't think he didn't shed tears knowing that his brother died. He can actually, the day before his brother died, he just came all the way up here. He was in New York to see his brother. Like, this is somebody's family member, you guys. Like, I mean, what? What? What's wrong with y'all? What's wrong with you? Like, America, come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Nick. Lower than a dog. You're right. Lower than a dog. You're the, you're, you're the scum of the earth to ever tweet wrong Trump. You're scum. That's what you are. You're equivalent to scum at the bottom of the earth. Yeah, I said it and I meant it. I meant everything that I said and I'm not taking it back. You're the scum of the earth to say something like that. And yes, you would do that online because I'm going to tell you right now, you say that in front of my face, you're getting a lip. Your lip's going to be swollen. I promise you that Jesus is going to have to deal with me later because that is too far. It's too far. I'm sorry. Nothing like that should ever be accepted or co-signed or shunned away, you know? So I'm going to get off of this live because I am pissed at that, but I just wanted to come and make a statement and I wanted to make it very clear to you guys. I am praying for Trump. I'm standing with Trump in the midst of everything going on. And if you support him, don't just wear a Trump 2020 flag and all of that stuff. Get on your hands and your knees and pray to Jesus. The real God, no other God. Don't pray to Muhammad. If that's the case, don't do anything, all right? Don't pray to Buddha. Don't pray to Ashra and all these other gods. Pray, get on your hands and knees and pray to Jesus for Trump that the Lord will give him strength. And he's going to do just that because he is going to win 2020 and he's going out with a bang. You watch what I said. Remember, I said this. When Trump gets in the office again, he's going out with a bang and a lot of people are going to jail. So, it is what it is. But God bless you guys. Drop my phone. God bless you guys. Look, I got two phones. <laughs> God bless y'all. I'll catch y'all later.
1: <laughs> you know, that was an interesting clip. I said I think it was good timing. Uh, Joseph, we're going to try to bring Randy. We've got Mike on the other line as well. Uh, we do got some other callers. Just push the one on your number dial. We'll get you into the show. Uh, and, and she makes a good point. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, they don't want Trump in a very bad way. Uh, to not get got another Skype call. I'll get you in the green room in a little bit. Uh, th- that's why they don't want Trump reelected in a bad way, because here's the thing. He's not going to have to worry about getting reelected, and there's going to be a lot of people. When he said drain the swamp, you are really going to see a lot of the swamp drained as he, you know, if he gets reelected, because then he doesn't have to worry about all the political maneuvering and I'm not just saying on the Democrat side. I'm saying on the Republicans too. I'm sure there's plenty of Democrats out. I mean Republicans out there who are like, "Oh hell, yeah, we don't want him getting reelected," you know? Because there's a lot of because uh, when he said the swamp. Let's oh, be folks. Trump. Well, he does have an R by his name. He's not a Republican. He's a populist. And uh, why do you think that so many, uh, you know, uh, Republicans hate him? There's a, there's not as many Republicans as Democrats now, but, but there's Republicans out there. I mean, look at Kasich. Of course, Kasich is still butt hurt because he got he beat, he got beat in the uh, the primary. And Kasich was my governor. I, I hate to say I don't like I never liked him when he was my governor. Uh, but you know, and look at and same with Mitt Romney. He was butt hurt that he lost. You know, so anyway, I mean, there's just as many Republicans—not as many—but I mean, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of Republicans that are like, yeah, we don't want—we don't want him reelected either, because he's—he's he's not the globalist that they are. But anyway, as I promised, uh, let's see if uh, Randy got uh, his uh, people calm down and do see another Skype caller. we will will get you in the green room. Um, so uh, let's see what's wrong with the swap? well. Okay, you know what, Ashley, real quick. Uh, Randy, I'm sorry, but I have to because uh, I like what Ashley said here in the chat. Uh, what's wrong with swamp? Actually, you're right. Swamps, you're right. I call it. I don't call it the swamp. That's just what Trump says. You know, I call it um, oh, a cesspool. Yeah, that's the word I use. Um, it's not the swamp. Because the swamp, swamp at least has some, you know, ecological value. <laughs> so I don't. Think, yeah, I, I get that, Ashley. I agree to that. Not a swamp. It's uh, and they got some great. Uh, creatures that dwell in swamps. So I I think Seth Paul would be a more apt description uh, of what uh, they want to uh, drain. So let's go ahead and see if Randy was able to quiet his uh, cohorts there, but we'll find out. Uh, Welcome back, Randy. Were you able to to get them to quiet down for you?
8: Yeah, apologies. I went to another room.
1: Um, Oh, no, uh, that's quite all right. Sometimes people get rowdy.
8: Yeah. So one of the things, I, like I was saying, living up here in San Francisco, it's, it's, uh, I feel very outnumbered. I feel as if I can't, uh, uh, speak my mind because a lot of these Democrats and I'm, not, I'm not, I don't know if you guys are Democrats or Republicans. I'm just telling you the way I feel as a Republican. I'm an
4: independent. I feel as
8: if, mm-hmm. uh, oh, okay. And, and I, I feel as if, you know, there's no room for discussion when you talk to these Democrats. It's, it's as if, it's as if, um, it's either their way or the highway. Um, they just shut down. The, they they immediately you know call you a xenophobe or a homophobe or a bigot, and and it's just I don't know. I, I don't know how. Do you have any ideas as to how I should approach, uh, um, you know, such such a thing? I mean, should I? How how can I engage in a conversation with people that don't want to hear my side? Or you know, I mean, it's well, I don't know how. On, to, on that. Well, on
1: that, and Mike, you're next, and I, I will get the, the person in the green room on the Skype club but what I'm saying, my thought on that is, if they know you as a person, you know, they, they, they know don't you're not though. a racist, they, they know you're not a racist, yeah. they know you're not a bigot, they know you're not a xenophobe, they're, they're going to say these things, if, I mean, and if it's people you don't know, the, okay, it sounds like there's people making noise again, so i I think to have to mute well, again. No, no, no. Mm. I'm in the bathroom. Okay. So anyway, to answer his question um, while he's in the bathroom, and then we'll bring in Mike. Um, well, no, it looks like we lost him. Okay, well, maybe he flushed something. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> to answer the question, because I know it's a real question. I mean, I had a friend, and then Mike, we're going to bring you in, and then I see another Skype caller. I'm going to get you in the green room. Uh, but I had a friend who, you know, we met at the student, he was a college professor. We developed a friendship and over a friendship of ten years. And once he found out I was voting for Trump, uh, we stopped being friends. I mean I mean we went to you know, he went to weddings together and, you know, rang in the new year together and went to baseball games together and, you know, hung out. I mean, yeah, we had some different views, but we were actually able to talk uh Talk through them in you know a, a civil way because we we did have more in common than we didn't you know the only thing
8: is, is was you know they were
1: they leaned more left and, and we leaned more right but then once he found out that you know voting for was voting for Trump uh, yeah I think I think uh, John yeah I think that uh, he was okay you know he said he was the last thing I heard him say when it started getting noisy. Uh, for him as he said he was in the bathroom. So um anyway. And so so I mean they, I mean here's the thing is frankly, I don't care what people call me. If you want to call me a racist, fine. If you want to call me a you know xenophobe, fine. I mean, I don't care, especially when it comes from people who don't know me. <laughs> and even if it comes from people who do know me, who do know me personally, I really could care less what people call me. Because it's only words. It's only words. That's what amazes so I lose a friend who we were friends for a decade because I voted for Trump. That's, that's his loss. Um, and it's you know, fine. But, you know, I think, you know, again, they, uh, and I'm getting the you know, text everything. I appreciated everybody. Yeah, I agree uh, with what you guys are, are sending me the texts and some messages for. I, I agree with you what you're saying about, about that. Well, we can talk about that later off air. Um, but, if you can have a civil conversation, which I know is more rare, and here's the thing, and I'm going to say the last thing before I bring uh, Mike back in, okay? And then I got a, a couple more Skype cards, We got a number of them. Is is this? Is that? I've been following this for decades. I've been following politics and elections for decades, and I have never seen. I've seen people on the opposite sides, but in you know, in office. And the voters, and just the populace in general. I've seen people on both sides where they didn't like each other. You know, they might have just not liked each other. Or they didn't just like each other's policies or agenda or where they think the direction of America should be. But I've never seen it to the point where the people on the opposite sides actually hate each other. And when, as in the audio clip you heard earlier, wish harm, even death. Now, I kind of say this tongue in cheek. So anyone out there who if they, you know, it pisses you off, they're like, oh, well, I hope someone died from COVID or something. So if you're a Republican and they say that about Trump, you know what really triggers, um, you know, triggers uh, liberals and Democrats? Say, well, you know what, I kind of feel the same thing about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, my gosh, sets them off. But anyway, if you ever want to get back on them, say, yeah, I kind of feel the same about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then that usually stops that conversation. Uh, but anyway, and I'm not recommending that, but sometimes you just have to fight fire with fire. Uh, but you know, if you can be civil, which again, it's becoming less and less civil, and we're actually are starting to hate each other. I think that's why you're seeing all this violence – one of the reasons you're seeing all this violence in the street. We better be careful, because I've said this for a long time. We very well could very well be – I said very well twice, sorry uh,
3: – be heading to
1: a civil war, and that's no joke. Not like the, the cannons and the rifles and you know, the mass death that we've seen in the original Civil War. But let me tell you, folks, we're headed there if we're not careful. And if you want to shift your blame or shift your focus on who's fomenting the hate, it's not Donald Trump. And in a lot of ways, it's some of the politicians, but not all of them. There's a lot of them, certainly. But you know what? It's the media. It's it's the media that's spewing all the hate out there. They're the ones who are sticking people to eat, eat against each other. Okay. Are you Fakua and you want to drain the swamp to get rid of the sheep? What well, Ashley? Now come on. I don't know what you're even talking about on the on the chat there. Are you a fucker? You want to drain the swamp to get rid of the sheep? Okay, whatever. But anyway, maybe we could explain that, <laughs> but later. But I I appreciate Ashley. I just I, I see now like what. But anyway, so let's go ahead and get Mike in, and we have got a couple other callers. We'll get you into. Um, there's still a little, about an hour left in the program, so. And I do got uh, one audio. It's supposed to be the third topic uh, tonight. Um, we again, this I knew tonight was going to be something where we could have put more, uh, could have gone for longer. But anyway, oh Shrek, not Sheik. Okay, <laughs> Shrek. Okay, there you go. That Sheik. I was like, what is that? But anyway, let's go ahead and bring in Mike. Thank you very much for
4: coming to the show, Mike. How are you tonight? Hi, thanks for bringing me on. My name's Mike. I'm an out-of-work personal trainer.
7: Because of the virus, the gym shut down, and I'm worried about the economy. I can't
4: wait to get back to the gym so I can do cock push-ups and drug and rape women. Uh, Can't wait to also brush my teeth and your mama.
1: Okay, well, that's how you know. That's how you know. You're getting to people when you got idiots like that guy, you know, who just oh, well, I can't do this. Really, I mean, really. If you don't, if I, I tell you what. I'm going to tell you this now. Who are the people who are on Skype and you want to chime in? Hey, if you if, you know what, if you don't agree with Trump, if you don't like Trump, if you're a Democrat, if you got a Republican or whatever, if you don't like you know like him, that's fine. But if you're going to come onto to a show, a serious show, okay, then let me tell you something. Okay, you have something intelligent to say because doing that, you just show, guess what? And darn it, maybe I should have just muted them instead of tugging up on them. But, you know, I really don't, I don't have a lot of patience for that. And so for the other people who might know the person or heard of the person or like the person, let me tell you. I'm gonna tell you this now, and we, uh, if you're gonna do that, I'm just gonna hang up on you. If you don't got anything intelligent to say, I mean, you might get your little quip in and, and feel like, oh, look, I said something. And there's some background noise somewhere else. Please mute your mic. Um, so if that's you, or you, Kelly, or if that's you, you know, I'm gonna just do it myself. Um, but anyway, seriously, I mean, you're, you're not really accomplishing anything. You might be having a little bit of fun, and that's fine. You know, I'm all for having fun. You know, but anyway, so let me go ahead and, you know, I'm not even going to, I'm just going to put up the next one. Just say your name if you say. If you hear me respond, I'll get you in. I don't got a lot of time to do green room stuff tonight because we've got a busy night here. Um, so let's go ahead and get this next Skype caller to get, you know, if, let's see what you got. Um, if you're a Skype caller, say your name. And if I say hello, your name, then you know that I you know, picked you to come on.
7: What well,
3: is Skype uh... caller?
7: My name is Kenneth Fishman.
1: Okay, Kenneth, what do you got to say today?
7: About my recent uh, transformation to join the resistance. Well, go ahead. Yeah, of course. Um, Well, recently, am I on air?
1: Yeah, you're here. I've, I've got you on.
7: All right, well, recently I've been looking at um, the different candidates, and I've come to the conclusion that I need to join the resistance because I, the way I see things going in Washington right now, the swamp, all this stuff, it's disgusting to me, Actu- absolutely disgusting. As a pastor and as a man of God, I, I just find all of this this rioting and this looting and this ungodly behavior to be Absolutely terrible, and so that's why I'm joining the resistance, and I've decided that I'm going to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in 2020.
1: Okay, well, and that's – when you said resistance, but I find it ironic that you're saying the resist, and, then, and I knew who you met because I knew that's the side who represents, I guess, the resistance – but I find it interesting, let me ask you this, because you're, you're you're seeing all the violence, and there is. There's violence, and there's people say, oh, well, this is Trump's America. Let me ask you this. Where all this violence and all these riots and lootings or killings, who's been running those states and cities for decades? Has it been Donald Trump well, who's been running those? Well, hold, hold, hey, Hear me out. Hear me out. Has it been Donald Trump running those cities and states, or is that the city and states where you've had – Democrat mayors, Democrat governors, Democrat city councils for decades. And so what have they done for what they say? Oh, there's systemic racism. Well, if that is the case, why didn't they do anything about it? Biden has been in politics for 47 years. Why now? Why is now the magical time to, to do something about what they call systemic? If it's systemic, that means it's in the system. That means it's been in the system for years and now somehow it's his fault why are they not taking any of the blame for what they could have done in the decades they've you know governed these cities and these states and how so it's not their fault after the time but now with Trump's in for 3 4 years and somehow it's his fault how, how do you reconcile that
7: well as a pastor i do have to say that the recent uh, trauma that America has been facing has caused my parishioners to be more and more uneasy around me. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's been very concerning to me as a pastor because I'm not able to have sex with as many men as I can in my church. Oh, so you're another
1: but, one of those people. Okay. All right. <laughs> Boy, we're really getting them. Uh, we're really getting them tonight. I tell you what, well, that's fine um, because we're not, Regulated by the FCC, so that's a good thing. Um, and so we people could say what they wish. I think you're a freaking idiot, but that's okay too, <laughs> you know. And so you, you send it out like you know, all had something you know important to say, and then you had to go off and say that, which you know we'll take you seriously for a while. And again, as I stated, you can hear, you can have your fun, you know. But at this point, you know, then you know if you're not going to be here, uh, and here's another fun thing, folks. You know, if you get kicked out now, you're not going to be able to call in to try and make your attempt. Uh, but, you know, I do appreciate you calling if you ever actually want to have a serious conversation, a real conversation, a mature conversation, an adult conversation. Maybe not the kind of adult conversations you're used to having, you know. But, you know, one that's got, you know, intellect to it. And, you know, well, hey, he, he, he sounded good for a while until, of course, he had to talk about that stuff. Well yeah, well John, I'm not. I'm actually don't feed the trolls. No. Nope. I'm not worried about feeding the trolls. We get trolls uh uh fairly often, but I do find it I do find it humorous. But anyway, besides it's my show, I could do what I want, John. But anyway <laughs> Well thank you, John, I really appreciate it. So let's go ahead and we got uh I'm gonna open up the mic to uh Kelly and then because there was some background noise. because um, I'm gonna do uh well, I was yeah, Mike. I was thinking uh, the guy may have been serious as well, but apparently not. Um, and maybe you're the same Mike who was who was in there. So let's go ahead, uh, Joseph. Uh, if you want to chime in, and then I'll give you give it to you, Kelly. And then we'll do some green room stuff. Go ahead, Joseph.
2: But well, guess what that pattern of callers shows? It tells us that we're winning the war. It tells us that we have get it we. We are getting so underneath their skin that they just can't control themselves. See, when I was <laughs> in campaigning, right, the number one rule in campaign warfare, the number one way that we knew if our opponent was viable or not, is how they would respond. Now, typically, when a candidate's running for office, If you don't ruffle any feathers, you don't get under any people's skin, if your opposition doesn't view you as a viable candidate, guess what they do? They'll say nothing. There's no need to say anything. You don't pose a threat. There's no need for them to attack you. There's no need for them to throw the punches. They know they're going to go and take walk into victory. So they basically run a very silent campaign. And then you've got another campaign where you know you're in deep trouble like the poll numbers that have shifted since the RNC convention that are finally shifting in Trump's direction because behavioral patterns. Notice how this is probably the first time that I've been on the show that I've had this many random callers all call who act like they lost their mind. We're getting under their skin. That's great. What they don't realize is they're giving the enemy, they view us as the enemy. They just gave us the ultimate satisfaction. Their actions have spoken louder than their words. They're going so berserk that they have nothing else better to do than to roam through Facebook, search for any conservative or conservative-leaning libertarian podcast, and come on the show and act like that we are winning the war. That is a beautiful thing. What they are saying is not a beautiful thing, but finally we are grabbing the left's attention. And that is a good thing because the left needs to wake up. So, hey, uh, please continue to call in. I'm enjoying it, to be very honest with you, because it's like you're just giving us the ultimate satisfaction of letting us know that you're, you, you just can't handle the truth, and they can. And anyone who's looked at the polling, that's why Biden has done this capitulation this week of now finally condemning the rioters and condemning the looting, because after the RNC convention, you know the polls are now shifting in Donald Trump's favor all of a sudden. So now it's it's it also uh, you know Joe Biden was in Pennsylvania the other day. And people were heckling him for saying, you said you're going to ban fracking. Now he's not going to ban fracking. So it just goes to show you how crazy the left is going. They can't control themselves. And that African-American woman in that segment that you played, Robert, she should be the communications director for Trump's 2020. I'm telling you, she would make an awesome addition to the team because she was civil, but boy, did she make the – point valid and she's right the moment you start wishing someone's death you are sick you are disturbed you are sinister you're a sociopath you need a lot of help because as bad as I did not like what Obama was doing to America I never wished him his death I've never wished any politician their death none None in my lifetime, because to do that is sinister. To do that is evil. To do that, you'd have to be a sociopath. And so to start wishing people's death, that's an all-time low. And my heart goes out to that Trump supporter in, I think it was either Oregon or Kenosha, who was shot over the weekend by a, a Black Lives Matter activist just because he was a Trump supporter. You're not safe anymore. First, they're attacking our politicians, and now they're gunning people in the streets. That's what's on the ballot, ladies and gentlemen, in November. So for all you callers who want to join the resistance and come on the show and speak profanities or even joke about uh, having sexual relations with other people or joke about being a pastor and doing so, you know what? In reality, you're just showing your true colors who you are. You're just showing that you guys are sociopaths and you need a lot of help. And you thought you were going to come on this show and get your 20 seconds of fame, and you thought you were going to embarrass this show, but guess what? You just gave us the ultimate satisfaction. That's how ignorant you are. You just let her know by you just let us know by your actions that you can't handle the truth and it's driving you so crazy that you're just trolling shows. Well, go ahead keep on doing it. That, that, that's fine. That'll add to a nice 2020 victory. Go ahead. But while you're at it, why don't you uh, send a message to Bernie Sanders or AOC and ask them to uh, further promote Medicare for all, because I think you need a lot of mental health and you need a lot of help. And to be honest, it shows you don't have a life. Uh, you don't have a life. I'm sorry, because with all due respect, if you really want to make a difference for all you callers that have come on this show and been so disrespectful and shown that you have the emotional intelligence of a five-year-old, if you really want to join the resistance, volunteer for the campaign. Do it in a civil way. Do it with some dignity. Actually do some work instead of sitting down all day and watching TV like a, a, a couch potato, living on the government. Go ahead actually volunteer would it kill you if you really want to join the resistance why aren't you a volunteer on biden kamala's ticket uh, they need a lot of volunteers why don't you do something yeah, not, a little bit more productive right exactly why don't you do something more productive then come on the people's show and show that and you know what the sad part is i bet all the names you gave in the green room were fictitious because you know what you uh, guys are cowards I, You hide behind Skype. You hide behind the laptops. That's true. If you were a person of integrity, right, Robert? If you were a person of integrity, then you would have not said what you said on the show. Because actions speak louder than words. Because Robert is a gracious host. We welcome all kinds of differing views. Like Robert says, we welcome differing views. We don't try to censor you because (laughs) we think differently. All we ask is that you come on the show and you have decorum.
1: That's it. Is that so much oh, to ask? And that real, you Real, real, real quick. Um, oh no, I got it. Real quick. I'm. Um, John guy really doesn't have a life, does he? Um, but anyway, um, I do. Like, I do like what. Hey, stop, it, John. I'm trying to read what Ashley's got to say. She's at least being funny. This guy's being an idiot. But uh, anyway, so let's see. I like the. Uh, just wait until my new world or my new order rises to power. All of you worms shall cower before me. Speaking of corpses, I plan on replacing the police with my army of undead. Well, at least she's creative, and at least it's not too mean-spirited. So Ashley, you go ahead and bring your undead and make a video game out of it or something. (laughs) Let's go ahead and bring in Tony. This is going to be interesting. But but actually, I promised Kelly. Kelly, you want to add anything on to that before I bring Tony in?
4: Well, (laughs) uh, I'm a libertarian. You know that. Anyway… but this is going to be really entertaining uh, from here till uh, November 3rd and sometime afterwards. Very entertaining. Oh, yeah. And while we're at it, why, why don't we bring on Vermin uh, Supreme? He's run for president since the 80s and he wears a boot oh, on gosh, his head. Oh, my gosh, yeah. He would be just hilarious because his four platform planks are free ponies for everyone, mandatory toothbrushing, uh, zombie treadmills for energy, and time machines. Yes. He wants to invest in time machines and go back in time and kill Baby Hiller. Um, <laughs> the guy's just he's he's a deliberate comedian, you know. And he's just Oh funny. yeah, try he has a guy who's been
1: he's been doing that.
4: Yeah. So, you know, with with people uh, doing these train calls and stuff, my gosh, Trump is gonna save a ton of money on the campaign. <laughs> you know, we just, just you know, why campaign when Americans see this this going on? I'm just like you know it's entertaining, so we're gonna see more of that coming up. But
1: uh, oh yeah,
4: eventually, eventually, I wanted to read these five stories of election but fraud I, being held accountable well, I, uh, by the track. But we'll we'll go to something else.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get that 1st here's what I'm gonna do because the Skype callers can have been able to prove themselves that they're you know can actually handle a good conversation. Unfortunately, but but we will give Tony a shot because you know as you said. Uh, you said, if I do try to give people a chance, and um, so we'll uh, we'll see. If not, again, we'll just mute or nix them, and that'll be it. Hopefully, we don't have to do that, but let's go ahead and give give Tony a shot. Thank you very much, Tony, for coming to the show. How are you tonight?
8: Uh, very good. Uh, I want to say thank you. I apologize for all these. It sounds like you have quite a bit of uh, trolling going on, but besides <laughs> I do, that. I um... guess so. oh, that's all right. I'm yeah, having
0: some Well, when
8: you when you <laughs> have a good show and people it just shows the shows that you guys are doing doing the right thing. And I agree with the other gentlemen, uh the other two gentlemen on the show. Um they were uh, I agree with everything that they were saying and and uh and you know, you just keep it up because it's make, they're making it that much easier for for Donald Trump to be reelected. Um one one of the things I wanted to talk about, I work uh um one of the things I do is I like to go out and uh, we fuck dead bodies. And I put my mouth
3: over this. <laughs> that <laughs> must have been John
1: again. <laughs> All right, Tony, I still got John. <laughs> I'm going to die a of a heart
3: attack. You know what? I never that, thought, I'm
1: gonna die. You know, I never. I, you know what? I tell you what. I know. You know what? These guys are telling us. These guys are. You know what? Oh my. You know what? We really should feel sorry for them. Think about it. These guys are so either they're so ugly, or they're so terrible in bed that they have to they have to do corpses because they can't fight. Back. They can't do anything. They must be so. and We are in Logic after dark, so this is perfect. These these people must be so losers. Their, their 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 manhood probably is probably the size of a. I can say this because I'm not effete compliant – quiet. A clit. And so, of course, they have to. Of course, they got to do. And just like earlier in the show, he kept saying, you know, stuff about dead bodies or something. So, wow, we should all just feel sorry for him, really. I mean, it's pretty pathetic that you know they have to rely on on sleeping with corpses. But you know what? I guess that's a new liberal fad. I guess that's what liberals have to do because, you know. I guess they fucked over everybody else. I can say that now. <laughs> I in the bar's block after dark, but they, they, no one else would do them, so now they got to rely on that. But anyway, I want to thank all of our trolls and liberal friends out there. who They did give me a good time. Um, sometimes, you know, in, in serious times that we're in, uh, we do have to have some fun. And so I'm not going to have any more Skype callers in, you know, not tonight. And if you want to – you know what? If you want to come in again next week, you're more than welcome to. Have your fun. Hell, as I said, I had fun too. I don't care. Um, but, hey, uh, Robert. I mean, hey,
3: Robert.
1: A, yeah, hey, Robert. Yeah, go ahead. I do, I do feel sorry for him because you know what? If I, if I was so desperate that I had to do that with a corpse, you know, I, you know that, that just, that's just pathetic. I feel so sorry for him. Go ahead, Kelly.
4: You know what they're doing? I mean, it's probably a bunch of guys just laughing, drinking beer, and just, you know, hey, let's do this. Well, mess with the show. Ah, eh,
0: why but not? They're they're having, beer, they're, having fun. They're,
3: that's good.
4: Yeah, they're having success in the sense that we're distracted from the points we're trying to make.
3: Yeah, That's well, we got plenty the
1: of time. Uh, the, I, well, it, but their biggest success for me, though, is I don't think they're distracting. Fun. I mean, you know, it's a, But let's go ahead. You're, I mean, and that part, you're you're kind of right. I mean, yeah, but we got to have fun too, Callie, or else you know, it's a three-hour program, so spending a A few minutes having some fun and stuff, but let's go ahead. You're right. Let's get back to the serious stuff. So you go ahead and get to your point. I'll get off my soapbox here. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) all right. Well,
4: should I go ahead and read these? uh, You do your thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Do my. Let me do my thing and see if uh, somebody's gonna (laughs) whatever joke's gonna come afterwards. All right. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Basically, being with Watch the Vote and understanding, you know, since 2011, potential ways uh, you can change an election. Um, there – okay, this is, it's a summary, if you will, all right, of – well, not – sorry, I'm a little distracted right now. But basically, there's multiple things that are going to get stopped. With USPS tracking. And you know what? As a libertarian, I would be surprised if Republicans are doing it too somewhere. Sometimes I wonder. I sometimes wonder if the person that wins an election is who can cheat the best. Anyway. Oh, by the way, did you hear that uh, the Chinese embassy is going to help people with their mail-in ballots? <laughs> I
3: you know, you have a problem?
4: Yeah, you just call the Chinese embassy and they'll be glad to fill out your ballot for you and mail it. Their motto at the embassy is, you call, we cast. Okay, anyway, (laughs) we kind of went there. All right, so here we go. And and again, tracking point would be from the doorstep of a voter, there's one ping, time date stamp, at the local post office, and then it goes to a sorting facility, Uh, another ping there on the time date stamp, back to the post office. They don't over to your election officials' office, so you have these, these time date stamps. Okay, <clears throat> so these are hypothetical. It's also from seeing what's going on from a survey we did back in 2016. Future, future hypothetical voting accountability stories with a USPS tracking number on mail and ballot envelopes. Number one dead people voting is stopped. Ken's Uncle Bob died last year. Ken looks up on the USPS tracking system and finds out that Uncle Bob's ballot was received at the county election clerk's office. Ken calls his aunt, Kim, and asks, did a vote by mail come for Uncle Bob this year? Kim replies, no. Ken then explains. And Kim is shocked and furious. The next day, Kim went to the county election office and removed her husband from the voting rolls and told the election officials of what she discovered. Election officials found a change of address in the computer after Bob died. Arrests were made. Story number two. Multiple voting held accountable. Heyman voted by mail in seven counties for decades. USPS software caught this, and postal investigators appeared with an arrest warrant. Heyman is facing at least 20 years in prison for mail fraud. The, voter, the matter also got turned over to the county district attorney for prosecution of voter fraud. Come to find out, Heyman had many, many friends doing the same, and they too went to jail. Story number three. Counterfeit voting held accountable. Karen lives in Mount Shasta, California. She got a call from her county election office after the election. The friendly agent asks Karen, We received two ballots from you in the mail. Tracking through the USPS, we see one ballot from Mount Shasta and the other ballot from Los Angeles. Which one is valid? Of course, bewildered, Karen asks, What? The agent says in a column, Explain the repeat situation again in a dull tone. Yes, we are seeing many duplicate votes this year, and they seem to be coming mostly from Los Angeles. Which mail ballot is which mail in ballot is correct? Karen replies, non shasta as I have never been to LA. The agent replies, we will discard the LA ballot and report to the US Postal Inspection Service and the County District Attorney. Story number four voting for non voters held accountable. At a family Thanksgiving party, Bill said to everyone, I have an announcement. Wonderful that this family is together again for our annual family reunion, and there are so many of us again together. Without going into politics, if you did not vote, come talk to me, and we will see if someone voted for you this year. Tim, Dave, Susie, and Mary approached him out of curiosity. Bill said, this is not about politics. I want to see if someone voted for you. There is no fault of yours in this. Just come to my computer room. Let's check it out. Bill looked up on up everyone's name on the USPS tracking website and found that Tim did send in a mail-in ballot as he did vote. However, from USPS tracking, it appears clearly that Dave, Susie, and Mary did vote. They were all in shock. Bill said, I know you don't even talk about politics and don't vote, but assure me, did you mail in a ballot? Dave, Susie, and Mary all stated that they have not voted in over 10 years. All three were furious that other people voted for them. Still in shock, they asked all sorts of questions of Bill. He tried his best to answer their questions. They discovered to report mail fraud to the U.S. Postal Inspection Services, and they did report it. Number five, election fraud on a mass scale, Colorado. By the way, election fraud is when it's done on a mass scale. Voter fraud is the individual. All right, but mass scale, Colorado. The Denver County Election Official, displayed online that 195,000 votes were cast in the 2016 presidential election. The U.S. Postal Service reported that only 145,000 ballots were delivered to the Denver County Election Clerk's Office. That means there is a 50,000-vote difference. Colorado is a 100% vote-by-mail state. Investigations ensued, and arrests have been made by the U.S. Postal Inspection Service, and arrests have been made upon many involved, Oregon, Washington. And Washington State, the same. So there is – basically, if somebody's throwing away ballots, they're going to get caught. If they're adding ballots, they're going to get caught. Um, With tracking, they don't have time to take – as this, we read the story earlier – they may not have time to take ballots and steam them, pull out the, um, the legitimate one, and replace it. So there's so many things, so many benefits that can happen here with USPS tracking. Again, I just encourage people to that email Robert sent, Just go ahead and uh, you know, please uh, contact your senator, even your your, your uh, congressional district, House of Representatives, and uh, we can see what happens. I guess. So anyway, now that we've gotten back on track, <laughs> the entertainment yeah so, we even we
1: even have a yeah we even have another skype caller on we have doug uh, on the line but you know we we do have our regular skype callers who call in each week and you know unfortunately for doug you know it's it, it's not one of them uh he's not you know hopefully we'll hear from you know people you know again but if they're serious and and not to kind of thank for all the the, the folks that there whether you're conservative liberal independent um but you know, even if you're liberal, what you're doing is you're actually by by calling in because this is important. I mean, because really, I know you said you know all oh, well, they're in here they're wasting our time and and all they're in here they're taking us away from the real thing. And and one thing with Bart's logic is it is a, it is a very uh, organic show. I mean, we, we yeah we have our topics. Yeah, we have definitely important things we want to talk about, and we do. Um, but a lot of things that are outside of you know, the serious thing to talk about is, is important too. And what I mean by that is that it, it is important because it really, it, and you touched on this, uh, you, you touched on this, Joseph. It's that they're not, they're not trolling us if they don't think that we have something important to say. And so, but also even, even though they're acting like idiots, even though they are, you know, calling to disrupt and they are, um, the thing is, is perhaps this is the only place they've ever come to where they're actually going to have somebody say, "Okay, yeah, you, you know, you're being an idiot, You're kind of joking around, you're having fun, you know, you're a liberal, you hate, you know, the things we say and you want to disrupt things, but we're still willing to listen to you if you actually want to come on, and you, I, I mean, yeah, have your fun, fine, have your fun, I don't care, but then hey, let's have a serious conversation after you have your fun. I'm okay with that." If I thought it would happen, but so at least you know want to give people oppor- the opportunity. That's what one of the things Bards watching about. That's why I call it the grassroots we the People show. We are the grassroots, we are we the people. And what, what I mean by we the people is I don't really what you guys know, I've been doing this show for a long
3: time. I don't
1: mean we the people as in Democrats, uh, Republicans. You know, it's we the people. It's us, the, the citizens of these United States. And I want Bart's Logic to be an open forum for any of them. Whether you're liberal, whether you're done, get get it out there. Even have some fun. Even disrupt. Even be a troll. Try to be respectful to our audience. That's the one thing I I, I really would like to stick to. But hey, if you want to have fun, fine. Um, and we'll we'll try to hear you out. Uh, but, but I do. I, I mean, I think, you know, that is, that is important. I mean, I know it's, it could be distracting from our, our topics and, and the important things we have to say. But my hope, and it could be a false hope, is that, you know, maybe you'll get somebody out there. And be like, you know what? Yeah, we, we called in to kind of be an ass. We called in to have some fun. Maybe disrupt them some. But you know what? Maybe one person out there will listen and be like, you know what? These guys aren't as, as – they're not as assholes as much. Excuse my French, but they're not as assholes as everyone's led to me believe. Maybe these conservative people or libertarian people, maybe they're not all assholes. Maybe they're not all haters. Maybe they're not all xenophobes, homophobes, or whatever they want to they want to dub us. You know. So anyway, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, but I just think it's important for that because who knows? Maybe they'll get that spark and maybe actually want to listen to another side because they are. All they're getting is MSNBC, you know, CBS, NPR. That's all they're getting. They're not getting. They're not getting something like Bart's logic. Which yes, we are a conservative show. We make no qualms about that. Um, but we, uh, it's a show that even though we do, we do have a, definitely a conservative leaning. It is open for all. Um, and so you know, we the people, right? Because it's it, it's it's kind of us against you know us against government. And you know, and so they leave you know, and then they leave, which they do. And actually, I think we just uh, our last Skype caller. Who was of of that ilk just left, but at least they uh, at least that last one heard what we had to say. It heard that look, we are open, and if you actually can have a, a a real conversation, we'll do it. Now I did have one audio that you're right, this did take a a, a whole section that, that I wanted to, but you know I do uh, maybe um, I don't know what spurred tonight, maybe because. We are, as you guys said, exposing something like especially HR 1850, exposing what the you know Democrat rule looks like in the stories that you had, Joseph. Um, you know, we I maybe because I, I, I you know I you know I posted uh, you know I I posted the link on Facebook tonight and I posted you know on Twitter tonight. I mean I I don't usually do Facebook. I've I've got a while gone away from Facebook, but I did tonight. So maybe that's what caused the troll. Personally, I think that maybe, as you guys said, we hit we hit a we we hit something, and that is with the, you know, and I think with the the stories you had tonight, Joseph, and then what we're talking about with this Malin and voting, and you know this is important what we're doing, but it's, you know they all have their own levels of importance, but anyway, I'll get off my soapbox, I'm sorry, guys, it just thats just you know how I really you know Do you what
3: the fact large news, Robert, Robert, go
1: ahead, I'm here.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I'll tell you what the factor is, what my hunch is. I've been on this show for almost eight years. That is a record of that many people calling in and trolling. That's never been. And I'll tell yeah, you totally why I guess. think that is the case. Exactly. It's because before the RNC convention began, polling was not looking good for Trump. It had the Trump team uh, concerned. It had conservatives concerned. It had Republicans concerned, independent supporters of Trump, libertarians, people who want to see him get reelected. We were all concerned. But after he made that nomination speech of accepting the nomination for reelection, that, I think, is what's triggering this week. Because if you think about it, He didn't make that speech till last Thursday, not last Wednesday. And then last Wednesday, remember, due to technical difficulties, um, we really really didn't have a lot of airtime. But if I had to have a hunch based on the facts, think about it. On all four nights of the convention, right, nobody was attacked. Nobody who attended – because most of the convention was virtual because of the COVID – But there were still some, you know, um, uh, parts of the convention where they had people. It was just very scarce, very low numbers of people. But on the first three nights of the convention, when they walked out, they weren't attacked. But on the fourth night, right after Trump made his speech, that's when they went ballistic. That's when they tried to attack an acting member of our Senate, Rand Paul, with his children, and I think now that the polling numbers are switching, Democrats are panicking, all of a sudden Kamala and Harris are capitulating, and now they're calling out the, the protesters and the rioters because now the American people and the court of public opinion is veering and changing, and they're not liking what they're not seeing. Now that is the game changer. And Robert, like I said before, that's how you know we are winning the war. That's how you know we have got under their skin, because ever since Thursday, they've gone ballistic, the left, and in, in, in the most egregious way. They've taken the life of that innocent Trump supporter. They're taking lives. Yeah. They've gone ballistic. They're crazy. So it doesn't surprise me that we got – I counted about four trolls, which is a record since I've been on the show. Oh,
1: there was there, uh, was, there, there, there was more Skype sky call- Oh, there was more Skype calls. Uh, they just- they just exactly.
2: Didn't so, so that that's my theory based on those facts, and that's why I say it's a theory because I can't definitively prove it, but that's what I think based on those facts. I'm, I'm, I'm basically going on the trends after Trump made his RNC speech and what's been going on ever since, and it just it has ignited the left, and now they're panicking because all of a sudden, once again, they thought they had it in the bag. And now they're realizing the American people, the RNC convention was polar opposite from the Democrats. The Democrats spent their whole convention attacking Donald Trump. They had no message. They had no messaging. And they failed to call out the, the rioters and the looters. Trump, his convention was like from night and day. He had a convention of messaging, of hope, of law and order, of restoring America, of holding people accountable like Black Lives Matters, that message is resonating, and that's why the poll numbers are changing, and that's why the left is slipping out. So I'll just say this one more thing. Hey, I welcome all you Skype callers to call. Thank you. You're making my day because you are showing that you are so vulnerable and you just... Like of the movie A Few Good Men, Jack Nicholson. Uh, No, actually, it was... uh, Was it Jack Nicholson or Tom Cruise who said you can't handle the truth? No, it was Jack Nicholson. Oh, that was... A Few Good Men back in 92, yeah. Jack Nicholson said that when he was on the defendant. uh, He was on the stand, and back then um, Tom Cruise was playing the role of a military lawyer. But yeah, they can't handle the truth, so they're going berserk, and it shows it. It shows it, so actually... That that you give the en- they're so ignorant they don't realize that they're giving us the enemy because in their eyes we're the enemy they're giving us the ultimate satisfaction of knowing that they just they they're losing it so in and, and reality I, you know, they think that – go ahead no go ahead no no go ahead Robert
1: no no go finish I because I I'm gonna want to play that that last audio clip still it's about twenty minutes but I think it's pretty pretty interesting and we'll maybe we'll talk more about it um. Absolutely. About it, I'll just say it,
2: one more thing you know, and you again, can play again. that audio. Okay? And uh, a dear friend sent me to this. So I want to dedicate this to all my wonderful left-wing Skype callers who called in. Randy, Tony, this is a special dedication to you. You have inspired me. I want to join the resistance too. So in joining the <laughs> resistance, I'm going to read you my resistance pledge. I'm selling my white privilege card. It's just over 40 years old, and it hasn't done a damn thing for me. No inheritance, no free college, no free food, no free housing, etc. I may even be willing to do an even trade for a race card. Those seem way more useful and more widely accepted. Interested? Contact me on my non-Obama cell phone that I have to pay for every month. Serious? Serious inquiries only. And I will defer back to you, Robert. They have inspired me to read my pledge card. Thank you.
1: Kelly, did you want to add something before I play that audio?
2: Well, I think it's
4: possible that – oh, sorry, a little dog here. Dog's like, hi, hi, can I adopt you into my pack? <laughs> it's a friendly dog. Anyway, all right, so um, – <clears throat> Randy may be – this is a possibility. I like to consider possibilities or options, A, B, C, D, whatever. Okay, so Randy could have been an absolute uh, legitimate Republican. But in San Francisco, they pack people in almost like sardines in a lot of these rooms. It's very possible – it's very possible that his friends are just razzing him. His roommates are razzing him. You know, like maybe he left his computer screen up for the number or the Skype. And so Randy got in, and then his friends are are you know just doing a big spoof on him, and they're all going to laugh about it in five years. So I thought that yeah, out. very
1: possible, very possible.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: well, let's go ahead and um, yeah, you're gonna find a lot of this it's, it's a lot of this information interesting. Some of this I agree with, some of this I don't, some of this I'm like, oh, maybe we could tweak, and maybe I'll play it again next week, and then we'll go today. It's, it's, and it is. Uh, relevant to uh, tonight so uh, let's go ahead and um, I'm going to mute everybody including my mic and get that and we might have a few minutes for commentary but I'll probably just have to close things out but I did want to get this out today sorry you know I spent too much time having fun with the trolls but sometimes I just can't help myself so let me go ahead and play that for you
10: so what do you think about going from human 1.0 to human 2.0 and what does that mean Well, going from humans, as we now know ourselves, to human 2.0 has something to do with transhumanism. If you're not familiar with that term, it's about uh, taking uh, humans, as we know ourselves, and melding with artificial intelligence. Um, Kind of like being in the Matrix, if you've ever seen that movie. And that may seem kind of cool to you. Uh, We might have some superhuman abilities, maybe uh, be able to think of something um, and it happens. Uh, Maybe have some physical abilities that would be almost superhuman-like. That's the idea, that's what you see in sci-fi movies. And for myself, thinking about this topic, I'm like, well, I have some time. I think that's many years in the future. However, this, this question, this idea is now right in this moment. We need to make a decision. And I found out that we need to make a a decision about this because I investigated the proposed COVID-19 vaccine. And this is my alarm call to the world. Um, I looked at the pros and cons and it frightens me. And I want you to know about this. You need to be very well informed because this new vaccine is not like your normal flu vaccine. This is something very different. This is something brand new. This is something completely experimental on the human race. And it's not just about being a different vaccine. There are technologies that are being introduced with this vaccine that can change the way we live, who we are, and what we are, and very quickly. I think that um, you know some people that you might know these names, uh, Elon Musk, who is the founder of SpaceX and uh, Tesla Automotive, as well as Ray Kurzweil, who is one of the, um, the big wigs of Google. Uh, these are um, self-proclaimed transhumanists. They believe that we should go to Human 2.0, and they are very big proponents of this. Um, there's a lot of other people that you might know their names. They're also involved with this, so you should look that up. I think the easiest way to explain this to you is to go with one of the front runners for the vaccine and go into a little bit of the history and tell you how they want to make the vaccine. And I think that will speak volumes. So for instance, Moderna is one of the front runners for the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, You should know that Moderna was founded um, by a person from Harvard, Derek Rossi, and this researcher actually was successful in taking some modified RNA and being able to reprogram a stem cell in the body and change the function of the stem cell, he actually made it genetically modified, okay? So you can, he proved that you can genetically modify something by using modified RNA. So they founded the company Moderna on this concept. It's kind of a new kid on the block, okay? It's not been around that long. In fact, it hasn't even made any vaccine for a human before. It's made no medicine for a human before. This will be their first run. You must know that Moderna was in the news recently because it really fast-tracked. It's it's like the other companies. It's fast-tracking the vaccine. It's going from phase one to phase two very, very quickly. In fact, it's gone from Phase 1 to Phase 3, and it's experiments from March of this year until currently. I mean, that is unbelievable. It usually takes five or six years. How are they able to do this with the safety and efficacy data that we need? Um, And I want you to know that in Phase 2, we only use between, they're only using between 30 and 45 humans. In Moderna's test study, they only used 45 humans. And with the, uh, the high-dose vaccine group, they got 100% of those people got systemic side effects, 100. That's only in the short side effect profile. In the low-dose vaccine, 80%, 80% got systemic side effects. Now, we don't even know the long-term side effects from that. We would need a lot longer time, right, maybe years but we do know based on previous animal studies of using this technology that you're going to you can expect possibly increased cancer rates increased mutant genes mutagenesis also increased autoimmune reactions for instance in some of the ferret studies they saw that when the ferret was introduced to the the virus that they were trying to protect the ferret from after the ferret got the vaccine they actually had an exaggerated immune response. It actually hurt the ferret. They had more lung inflammation, more lung fluid, even some problems with their liver. It actually hurt them. They had a poor response. Okay, so this, those are longer-term reactions, and that could be seen with this vaccine, but we don't know the data yet. So it's not without risk. And how are they doing this? Well, they're actually... Um, suggesting to use uh, a platform. Let me just explain uh, how they would administer the vaccine. So the vaccine, um, there's an idea called micro-needle platform, okay? This was uh, developed by MIT. And they said it could be very easily produced, okay, and mass produced. This is why they're proposing this technology, and many millions of vaccines could be made quickly. They could also be administered by yourself, so the idea is to get a Band-Aid. It looks like a Band-Aid you buy it in the drugstore. It's shipped to you through Amazon or UPS or some other shipping service. You take it out of the package, you put it on your, your hands like this, and then you take the sticker off, and voila, you've been vaccinated. So how is that possible? Well, in this Band-Aid, it has little tiny spicules, little tiny needles. And this was uh, designed after a snake-viper fang bite, okay, or snake-viper fangs. so little snake bites. Um, anyway, in these tiny little spicules, they claim you won't really feel it that much, there's uh, their little hydrogel, it's a material called hydrogel. Inside the hydrogel would be um, a luciferase enzyme as well as the vaccine itself. Okay, so what is all that? So, first of all, you're getting the vaccine. It's modified RNA or modified DNA. Let's take Moderna, modified RNA. So, in that modified RNA, the idea is that it would, the needles would puncture into your, your cell membrane, okay, and this synthetic piece of an RNA, it's a code for the part of the virus. Work. they could use a synthetic DNA to code for the part of the virus would go into your nucleus, your body would start transcribing it, it would start reading it and making more of that part of the virus. Well, why would we want to make more of the virus or part of the virus? The idea is your body would get used to seeing it, would know how to make antibodies, and would have an improved T cell response. And the idea is then when you saw it in the future, your body would already know how to fight it and it would be a better response. That's the idea. The problem with that is they're using something called a process called transfection, and transfection is a way that we make genetically modified organisms. Okay, I think you know about those fruits and vegetables, Uh, they're not as healthy as the normal uh, wild type fruit and vegetable. So, possibly you could extrapolate that to a human. If we become genetically modified, we would not be as healthy, okay? We don't have long-term studies on this anyway. This is unbelievable. And, you know, the vaccine manufacturers have made the statement, this will not alter our DNA, our genome. I say that is not true. Because if we use this process to make a genetically modified organism, why would it not do the same thing to a human? I, I don't know why they're saying that. Now, if you look at the um, definition of transfection, it'll tell you that it can be a temporary change in the cell. And I think that's what the vaccine manufacturers are banking on. It's temporary. Or it's a possibility for it to become stable, to be taken up into the genome, and so stable that it will start replicating when the genome replicates, meaning it is now a permanent part of your genome. That's a chance that we're taking. So it could be temporary or it could be permanent. And we would never know that for years down the road, honestly. So here we go. We've got something that can alter our genome. It's a possibility. And another thing on that, if they're altering the genome, what would be the effects? I told you previously some of the side effects. But also we need to know that this is a synthetic Piece of DNA or RNA, okay? And if it becomes taken up into the g- genome of a human, it's synthetic, it's not from nature. And if you look at the Supreme Court justice ruling on synthetic DNA or genes, it can be patented, and patents have owners. So what does that mean for us? What if this gets into our genome? Does that mean Moderna or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or the Department of Defense, all of these people who are involved in the patents, or are they somehow going to own part of our genome? It's a possibility. You need to know that. So that's one part of this delivery system, just one. Now let me go to the next. The next part of the delivery system is a luciferase enzyme, okay? They named it, they patented it luciferase. I don't like that name. Luciferase, because it has bioluminescent qualities, which means it can produce a light or it has a light source. And all of this would be under your skin and you cannot see it. Now, the luciferase is an idea because they want to make sure that you're vaccinated. They don't trust medical records. They don't trust you saying that you got vaccinated. They want to make sure. And they want to make sure it was successful, a a successful transfection, a successful gene modification. So... When you get the luciferase enzyme, if you have an iPhone or a special app on the iPhone, you can scan over that area, and it will give a digital code, a digital imprint, a digital pattern, something that will identify that you were vaccinated. It holds your vaccination record. It also gives you an ID, a number, a barcode, a branding, whatever you want to call it, a tattoo. It's all the same thing. You now become like a product. So, we have that. Now, the third thing I mentioned was hydrogel. So, hydrogel is actually an invention from DARPA, the uh, Department of Advanced Research Projects Agency. This is um, kind of a sci-fi kind of a group from the Department of Defense Pentagon um, of the U.S. government. They make these fantastic um, inventions. So, one of them is hydrogel. Hydrogel, you can go. I'm sorry, you can YouTube look on YouTube. Look at Profusa is one of the companies, uh, DARPA as well as hydrogel, and you'll find some little two-minute clips that they describe. So hydrogel is nanotechnology, microscopic little robots, and these little robots actually, I know it sounds crazy, it's still crazy to me, but it's possible. Okay, they can um, disassemble, reassemble, assemble into and make different things. So. With this hydrogel, it has it's really nanotechnology. So that's something, um, you know, robotic or something that's artificial intelligence. It has the ability to connect with artificial intelligence. So this means that a human can now connect to directly gather information from our bodies and gather it and uh, connect with your smartphone, with the cloud, with some other smart device, and. Once this is done, this is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Think about that. Think about how immediately that could change our privacy. Immediately it can change our autonomy. Immediately change our freedoms. This can gather data like your blood sugar, your oxygen, your blood pressure. Okay, those sound great. But it also... It can gather many other things. It can gather, they say, your emotions or your menstrual cycle, your activity. If you've fallen, your nutrients in your body. If you took medicines, it's a potential to see if you took illicit drugs. It's got a potential to see almost anything that goes on in your body. And all of this information is going where? That has not been addressed. Who's protecting this information? What are they using it for? This is really serious stuff, guys. This is all being proposed to being unveiled in the next vaccine, okay? The other thing to know is with this nanotechnology, hydrogel, um, artificial intelligence, you know, hookup, just like your cell phone, you can send a text message, you can send an email, but also you can receive them back. So that means we could receive information. What information would be coming back into us? Would it affect our mood, our behavior? Would it affect, you know, how we, how we think or our memories? If you haven't watched the movie Matrix, I think you should. I think there's some truth in that, in a, in that movie. I see so many wrong things with this vaccine. And I see that we are not talking about it in the major media. And I see that I feel that these companies are outright lying to us when they say they cannot affect our DNA. Because, by all definitions that they are using, this can affect our DNA. So, guys. I wanted to make this video short because I wanted to get the point across. I wanted you to really do your own research. So know that there are many risks that we're seeing here. And there is some we really need to know if we really want to go from human 1.0 to human 2.0. And let me also tell you that there's some major names behind these vaccines. You're always going to see like the Department of Defense from the U.S. government Sometimes DARPA, like I told you. Why is the military involved with our vaccines? You see the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation everywhere with this. If you look, you'll find that name almost always. And let's go back to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I want you to to look up what, let's look at the track record. Let's look at what the man stands for. His family comes from a family of eugenics. What does eugenics mean? Population control meaning there's too many people on the planet. That's important to know. He's been on video stating that he thinks with a very good new vaccine, we could get the Earth's population to be decreased by 10 to 15%. Well, who's going to stay and who's going to go? And who is he to decide? He doesn't have a medical background, no epidemiology background, no science background. He's not a doctor, software tech. That's what he has. I'd also like you to realize, I always look at who has a vested interest. What are their motivations? What is his motivation, right? We We already know his family background. Well, what's very concerning to me is that DARPA, this military agency, as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is very interested in something called gene drive research or technology or Gene Extinction Technology. And it's exactly what it sounds like. By using genetic mutations, by use of transfection, for instance, you can exterminate an entire species from the planet. They are proposing to use this for mosquitoes, for instance, in Africa. But guys, our world is a delicate ecosystem. Who is, who is saying one species goes? You, you destroy one species, you could affect an entire ecosystem. So when you exterminate an entire species, you will affect an entire ecosystem. It's a very delicate balance. And who is to say who's going to stay and who's going to go? Who's got that knowledge? Why aren't we talking about this? And guys, if we can do it to an insect, we can do it to an animal, we can do it to a human... I bring this up because if these agencies that are behind the vaccine also stand for that, do you trust them with your health? Do you trust them with your family? Do you trust them with our children? The other thing is we're rushing this to production. What is the motivation behind that? We need to really think about this. I've also stated in the past that We need to know that there are, at least in the United States, there are mandates passed that make uh, the vaccine manufacturers have no liability, zero liability for any harm done to any human. If people are killed, if they're hurt, if they're paralyzed, if they're maimed for life, it doesn't matter. You have no recourse, and they still make all their profit. So there's no incentive for them to make it safe anyway. I also want you to know that one of the mandates, the Emergency Preparedness Act, that says they can force a vaccine on us. They cannot force a vaccine if there is a viable treatment for the COVID-19. And I want you to know that doctors around the world are being censored about treatment options for COVID-19 or prevention for COVID-19. Because if there's a true treatment or prevention, then they can't force this vaccine on us. I want to bring that up because what in the world is the motivation of doing this? Is it really in the health of all of us? As a doctor, I can't see how this is in the true health of the entire world. I think there's another motive, another agenda going on. The more I look at this, the more that comes up. So I'll leave you with this. I want to make this... um, short and sweet sweet, so that you um, can digest this and think about it. Do you really want to go to human 2.0? I don't think it's the fantasy you see in the movies. We need to come together and we need to unify our voices because people in positions of power taking care of our health are not in our best interest. But together we have power. Together united our voice is strong. So I encourage you to do critical thinking. Do your own research. Join groups in your state. Go to your state legislature and you tell them no. No to these experiments on humans. No to invasion of privacy. No to censorship. We are sovereign human souls and we need to take our rights back. Thank you for listening, and you know I always say my videos with the greatest of love and the greatest of peace.
9: Thank you.
1: Well, I've got um, just a few minutes—literally, maybe a minute, maybe 30 seconds each. I definitely want to have a conversation on that. Um, you know, you know, on that uh, that audio. So, just about 30 seconds or less. Uh, uh, Jason, what, what do you think Speechless <laughs> Well what about you Kelly
4: That uh, doctor Was really stunning in her Balance analysis and then She got that out um, Yeah It's very concerning And uh, that could be another Idea what, what they would get out of Corona So many things they've gotten out of Corona Um Yeah, my closing thoughts. I hope the Dems and the Republicans get together for ballot tracking, USPS tracking. Um, But uh, can you send me that video, Robert?
1: Actually, you you can – well, it's on the Bards Logic Talk website. You just go to the newsroom. Just go to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and go to the um, go to the Bards Logic Newsroom. You'll be able to get it there.
8: Okay, great.
1: And are, you still, are you still with us, Joseph? I think Joseph may have had to go, and that means uh, we do, we're going to go too. But I will end tonight as I do each night, and that is by the song from A, uh, Aubrey Ashburn. And it was an exciting show, interesting show. And we'll see you next week. Uh, Thank you very much, folks, Uh, and have a good night. Take care. Good night. Good night.